What's up, everybody? This is the Moto X Pod Show special edition. Obviously, I'm Dark Side, but I have a BMX freestyle legend in the house, Texas's own Morgan Wade. What is up, dude? Oh, not a whole lot. Just uh, you know, sitting around doing a whole lot of nothing with all this COVID stuff. <laughs> yeah, you're about ready to get back to riding, I'm sure. Before oh, yeah. we get this thing rolling, let's thank our sponsors, the Cherubies USA. For decades, the Cherubies have been the leader in moto plastic and accessories. With products that fit perfectly, look amazing, and last, the Cherubies has what you need. Visit CherubiesUSA.com or call 1-800-659-1440 and let Brian and Talon Volan take care of you. Let them know the Moto X Pod Show sent you. And, of course, Fly Racing, the best gear on the planet, flyracing.com. And a special sponsor for tonight's show, local Longview, Texas' newest skate and BMX shop, Ollie's. Ollie Skate Shop, at Ollie Skate Shop on Instagram. If you guys are anywhere in East Texas, you got to check them out, 105 West Tyler Street. Uh, Give them a call, 903-470-7017. Zach over there at Ollie's is heavily involved in helping out with Dots and Action Sports Park mm-hmm. that we're going to talk about shortly. Good buddy of yours. So uh, yeah. we appreciate Zach, and we're going to talk about that too. Zach's a good guy. Very good guy. Very good guy. We've got uh, we've got some audio from some of your buddies, including Zach, that we'll, we'll hear <laughs> after a while. Great. Um, first thing, man, right off the bat, July 13th, yeah. 1983. Yeah. July 13th, 1975. No, really? Yeah. Oh, man, yeah, you're so, so old. Dude, <laughs> is that where we're going already? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I am old. I am old, but that's a good birthday, man. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was cool. Uh, 2006. Were <laughs> you eight when I was born? Uh, I can't do that math. Five, 75, 83. Yeah, eight. I can do math, evidently. Yeah, right. I haven't hit my head that many times yet. So I'm eight years older, which is that last eight years is a lifetime. Uh, no. It no. gets rough. You, you, no? you don't look a day over 25. Uh, you're, you're, that's why you're my favorite BMX rider. <laughs> uh, that's why. Yeah, I love it. Um, all right, so 2006, silver BMX at Freestyle Park in L.A., 2013, yep. gold, big air in L.A. Yeah, took a little break there between getting medals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. 2015, gold again at big air doubles in Australia. Yeah. No, that was that was in Austin. Oh, Austin. Uh, yeah, that see, was in Austin. I can't read my own handwriting. Austin. Right. Well, you, I know you did some overseas. Math, English, same to, thing. Why'd you have to correct me, dude? <laughs> Dude, that's uh, some big accomplishments, uh, and I want to talk about all that. But those are some of your highlights. 2019 silver, mm-hmm. um, a lot of silvers, <laughs> a lot of silvers. I saw, yeah, but yeah, hey, top that's, three. Hey, I'm, I'm happy with the podium. Anytime I get a podium, I'm stoked. So, and that's what I always say going into it. If I get a podium, I'm happy. Yeah, it doesn't have to be gold. Gold's nice. Hell yeah, silver's yes. silver's awesome. Bronze is awesome. Fourth place is just a bummer. <laughs> the first got, person off the podium. We got a handful of those too. It's all good right, though. Right. It's all good. It's part of it's part of the game. Well, let's uh, let's back up a little bit. You grew up in Tyler, Texas. Little yeah. Tyler, yeah. Texas, up, up near Winona. Yeah, <laughs> I had me a Tyler address, but I was born near Winona. Winona. We're closer to Winona, Winona north Beaver. north of the interstate. I went yeah. to Winona School. Nobody knows where ki- that is. Kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was it like growing up in Tyler, Texas, for you? I mean, were you? At a young age, were you on a bicycle? Where would you, you know, what was it? Yeah, like? so I, I mean, I was riding BMX bikes from the time I was pretty small. I think I was five, the first like actual little, you know, BMX bike that I got. Where we were, you know, making ramps in the yard and jumping, 
stuff, figuring out what, what, what was fun, what wasn't fun. And then I, I, I don't really consider myself, uh, my start to BMX, I would consider to be like 1997. Okay. Um, because that's when I actually bought a legit BMX bike that wasn't like, you know, a Walmart special. It was a J Miron Powermatic Schwinn. Um, and I rode that thing mostly flatland, to be honest, in the road in front of my house. Cause we didn't have any ramps. We didn't have a skate park or anything like that. Um, and then my brother and I actually built a ramp in the yard and, uh, oh man, like a quarter, a dude, we knew what, what we were doing so well. We built a quarter pipe, eight feet wide, okay, eight feet tall with a six foot transition and a, f- no, it was seven feet tall. Sorry. A foot of vert. So it was eight feet wide, seven feet tall with a foot of vert on it. <laughs> and we, dude, we built like, we made the transition out of two by fours. We like basically stacked two by fours and like a 90 degree angle and then cut the corner with two by fours to get the transition. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it was like a real like blocky transition going down. And then we, we used three quarter plywood for the surface. Oh geez. We bent three quarter plywood into a six foot radius. Wow. If you can believe that that's, I can't believe we did that. How we, many nails did that take? Well, we soaked Screw it. We soaked them in the pond for 24 hours. <laughs> so they would okay. bend. And then we stuck them on there and it worked. I mean, yeah. when they dried out, they popped and cracked and did all kinds of weird right. things, but we could still ride it. And I mean, the first day I ever rode a quarter pipe, that was the quarter pipe, the very first quarter I ever rode Yeah, with that foot of vert on it. And I aired, I think a foot and a half out of it the no first, way. the first day. And I was like, this is amazing. And, and how the, old you were know, you? Downhill. I was 14. Oh, wow. So before that though, might've been 15, uh, some, somewhere back there. It was 97, I think. When we okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that's my son. Maybe born, 98, so. maybe early 98. Okay. Mm, some, somewhere in there. Yeah. It gets fuzzy. Sure it does. Yeah. We're getting old, dude. <laughs> I mean, not a day over 25, right? <laughs> Hey, I still I still claim like thirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that'll I, work. I quit counting, you know, at some point. Um, <laughs> before that, just learning to ride a bicycle early days, five years old. How like? What, yeah, when, I was like five, I think. When whenever you know, got the old training wheels off. Yeah, and you instantly fall in love, and that was like, or did it take? Did you like? Uh, I mean, we would always do like you know, we'd set up you know a couple pieces of firewood with a, a two by four, right, yeah. and see how far we could jump and do stuff like that, or we would make like a. Some some kind of trials bike garbage in the yard. We'd get my dad's saw horses and put like something where we had like balance across it. Oh wow! You know stuff okay. like that. We would do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Me and my brothers. Um, but I, you know, I didn't really get into freestyle BMX until '97. Like I was talking about, that was kind of my when I started actually like picking up magazines. Okay, and, that's what I was gonna ask. Yeah, I you know in the magazine they had the mail order. You know, Dan's Comp and and you know Empire BMX. Or back then it was actually Trend BMX. Um. And, you know, finally you start buying like videos and props and that kind of stuff. And that was, you know, it's how everybody gets into it, I guess. You, know, yeah. you start getting interest and you pick stuff up and watch other people ride. And that's how you figure out how to do stuff. Yeah, because I'm a couple years older than you. I think I first saw BMX freestyle. I lived, we were living in Hawaii. My dad was in the military and uh, like the GT pro performer was big. Mm-hmm. So this would have been like right around the time you were born, probably like 85, 86. And We'd see stuff on TV, and, and they'd have skate competitions come over and guys do these things. And I remember seeing, like, just basic stuff like a, a, a bar spin or a Miami hopper or something like oh, yeah. that. And I was just blown away, right? So, you know, I was learn all I could pretty much do is, like, bunny hop off a curb, and I thought I was pretty cool. Get your endo on. Yeah, curb, I, could curb endos. Little, I could do an endo, stick your foot in the, you know, <laughs> stick your foot in the, in the forks and try not to break your toes because I didn't know anything. <laughs> but I never really advanced anywhere past that until – still haven't, but – just meeting you in this new park and, yeah, yeah. you know, it's kind of getting me interested in it, but it's pretty cool that you were, you start, you, you get the magazines and you start mm-hmm. getting the videos mm-hmm. and you start wanting to learn stuff. 
So how do you, is it from the videos and the magazines that you start learning tricks? Do you like read step-by-step stuff or you just so, start working on it? They, I mean, we just started working. I mean, I, I was riding Flatland, like I yeah. said, in the in the, the street in front of my house, and I learned a lot of tricks and stuff there. Um, and then Noble E. Young Skate Park was built in Tyler, Texas, in 1998. So okay. not too long after that. And I, I think it was like end of the yearish, like September October when it opened. So you know, there was there was a solid year where I was pretty much riding Flatland in front of my house. We had the the quarter pipe we built that I would ride on and off. And how long did that and, last? And that d- dude, it was there for a solid three or four years. Wow. Okay. It was nice. there for a while and you nice. had to pedal through like grass and dirt to hit it. <laughs> it wasn't a smooth runway. We had a, like a gravel yeah. driveway too. Right. That we'd pedal down. Um, n- none of that fancy concrete smooth stuff. <laughs> but then we would also like, uh, my parents would drive us to Dallas to go to like Eisenberg skate park and the, and whatnot. Um, and then I might, what year did they, they did the Grand Prairie Park, Grand Prairie Extreme GPX was at the horse track out there in Grand Prairie. I think that was like 2001, maybe somewhere in there. But okay. anyway, but before that, so we had, you know, like we would drive to Dallas to go ride the skate park, like maybe once a month, Eisenberg's or wherever. And then they built the park, you know, in Tyler, which made there was a local spot and I was actually homeschooled. So I could literally do my, my schoolwork. And my mom would actually take me out to the skate park and nice. we I would finish my schoolwork on the bench at the park. I had to finish my schoolwork with it right there. So I could like look at it and be like, Oh, I want to go ride. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, Motivation. the carrot dangling the carrot, yeah. you know? So I'd go finish and I'd go ride. And I mean, back then, Holy cow. Once I got my, that, that was on and off. My brother had a license. So I would go out there with him. He skated and you know, we would ride out there together. And, and then, um, once I got my license, I could drive myself out there and I was out there for eight, ten hours a day for oh, wow. you know every, okay. every every weekday and on the yeah, weekend. You were all in. I was there all the time. I mean, it'd be like just like Julian and those guys out out of, at Dodson. You know, yeah, like yeah. they're they're the the young ones that are just like this is my life, yeah. and they're Eat, just breathe, all the time. In. Yeah. So I mean, that's how it works. And I mean, look at I don't know if you've seen Julian ride lately, but like he's, a little bit, he's killing it. Yeah, he's definitely come a long way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, what was the first real trick that you, you learned that you would consider like an advanced trick? Not- I would say foot jam tail up on flat ground. Cause that was like the whole flatland influence. Yeah. I would, I had like, I paid a lot of attention to all the flatland stuff because that's what I had. Didn't have the ramps and stuff yet so much. But then, uh, I, so like I learned foot, foot jam tail ups and like hang fives, you know, dragging the brake as hard as I could, the front brake. And, you know, so totally reliant on the front brake. So there was no real balance involved other right. than just like, uh, go to a stop. <laughs> but, um, you know, I could do, you know, one of the, one of the lines on the road, like the, the yellow lines yeah, in, yeah. in the middle of the road. Okay. But you know, that wasn't, that wasn't amazing or anything like that. But like, I'd say th- that was kind of my start was like those kind of flat ground tricks, but those all transfer really well to ramps. So it, it you know, it might as well be the same thing. I still can't really do foot jam tilts on ramps. So <laughs> don't tell Corey burglar that because okay. apparently <laughs> we're supposed to be doing a, a game of bike sometime in the near future where yeah. every set has to have a tail up in I it. So that. don't tell, that. don't tell him that. Cause he'll get me a letter that no time flat. Oh, uh, that's funny. Yeah. So you're, you're probably not going to win that competition. Oh, don't count me out. Okay. You'll figure that, it out. That little guy's got short legs. He can't kick so hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, but awesome. for Corey's awesome. Yeah. It's going to be a good time. We'll, uh, we'll besides the BMX stuff, did you have other interests as a kid that you were kind of into? I mean, I, well, I know we're going to talk about 
going to college and graphic mm-hmm. design, but like yeah. were you into that stuff as a kid too? Uh, yeah, I always, uh, my mom's an art teacher. Yeah. She, she like, so I grew up, she would always teach art, art lessons and stuff. And I was always sitting in the back of the room doing the same stuff. So like I, and, and I'm also inclined towards art. I, I enjoy making artwork and stuff. So I did that a lot, like, you know, when I was younger and then naturally it going into college, it was like, it was like, oh yeah, well I'll just be a graphic design major. That way I can do art stuff and yeah. the easy way out, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, sure, but it's doing something you love. I mean, that's pretty. Funny. Yeah, yeah, it's something I love cool. that's extremely hard to get a job in. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't think people realize that. <laughs> no. no, I'm glad that BMX took off because <laughs> if I was still trying to get a job in graphic design, I'd probably be still trying to get a job right. in graphic design. Yeah. What about soccer, man? I read you were on a, uh, I think in college, a couple championships. Uh, college or soccer. soccer i don't know where, where you read that no, I, was, it was on oh, your wikipedia man. page so now oh dude wikipedia they well, say they say i'm a road cyclist too oh, i wouldn't go off that so no, was, there was some other funny stuff. no i never played soccer okay. um but if you uh if you pretty wikipedia much, pretty much any um i always make the joke i only like sports that involve two balls <laughs> okay yeah so i don't sure. really pay much attention to anything that's sports. like mainstream okay. like ball sports so um so no soccer conference championships no 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 soccer conference championships all right good one wikipedia Way good one go, wikipedia um all right so i'm a I, road I, bike racer according to them too so <laughs> <laughs> i take fronts? i take the road bike down the mega ramp that's funny that'd be entertaining <laughs> i'd like to see you do nitro circus France. not too far off i guess um do you think, obviously this is probably a dumb question, but today kids have YouTube mm-hmm. and there's just endless ways to learn tricks. I mean, I, like I was watching videos on how to do uh, uh, manuals because like mm-hmm. that's yeah. a huge thing you need to know these days and I can't do it for shit. But do practice, man. It's, there's so many balance tricks are just grueling. Just do it, do it, yeah. do it, do it, do it. The other day we were at the park. This was just on uh, Saturday actually. We're at Dodson Park, and I was like, I've been on and off comfortable, like comfortable with manuals without brakes. And like, usually, if I break a cable or something, I'm really lazy. I don't fix my bike for like <laughs> weeks. So then I'm like, oh, sweet, I'm brakeless. And it's not usually on purpose, but if it happens, it happens. And then, uh, so I'll basically have to be forced to learn a lot of these tricks, like manuals and all this stuff without brakes. And you get really good at it and you're really smooth at it and it feels everything feels better when you yeah. when you don't rely on the brake to do stuff. But then there's a lot of tricks that you can't do as well. Me personally, a lot of guys can do a lot of the, the same tricks, but personally, I lose a lot of tricks when I take my brakes off. Like okay. in the air, stuff like that. Like um different like tail whips and whatever variations. I like to grab the brake and stop the back wheel. Yeah. Helps yeah. me catch the pedals, they don't roll forward, what are, you know, all but just silly stuff like that. If I practice enough, I'm sure I could get good at it, but I, you know, you're comfortable. I ain't got time for that. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, manuals, I do enjoy doing brake lists. So like this the other day, we were out there at the park and I, I was literally just like, I'm going to do this like 20 times just, and I kept doing manuals across the, the deck over and over and over and over again, just trying to get, get comfortable with it again. So like literally it's just repetition when it comes to that type of stuff and feeling that balance point. I think a lot of it is I, I have poor balance, even like, you know, I ride motocross and, I, I still know I have poor balance. I mean, I'll tip over in a That's corner. That's what the whiskey throttle's for, man. Yeah, you got you to keep the throttle on so, so you don't fall over. And yeah. on the bicycle, I struggle. It writes you. I, str- I struggle on a bicycle. I mean, hell, I can't even hardly ride a wheelie anymore. It's just, of course, I don't ride that much, and I was never great at it. I'm yeah. just trying to get back into it. But as long as you're having fun, that's all that matters. Yeah, it is. And I have, I'm having a lot of fun riding with our buddies like Kevin Blaylock. You know, before yeah. the park came around, you know, he was he started riding bikes basically to 
I mean, he's recently sober, and yeah, he was riding yeah. bikes to do that. And by the way, our buddy Kevin Blaylock, the music at the beginning of the show that was My Remains, one of his old bands, slapping those drums, man. Dude, he's, he's getting killer it. drummer. He's yeah, getting I'll, it. hopefully he'll uh, he'll pick that back up again and start playing again. But um, <laughs> we would just go ride downtown Longview, you know. And I was like, like hopping off a set of stairs was a pretty big deal for me at this point. Yeah, of course. But uh, he's starting to progress. I've seen some of his, he's learning to grind and oh yeah, that's pretty damn impressive. So uh, yeah, it's, Kevin's it's pre- killing it. It's, it's really cool to see that. Um, but back to the, do you, have you ever learned a trick off YouTube? Off YouTube? Yeah. Mm, no. No. Okay. <laughs> so YouTube wasn't really a thing when right. I, when I was like, there's, um, oh, what would you say? Your fundamental tricks that everything builds off of mm-hmm. are like all your, your just the stuff that's your, your base, your solid base, all like the manuals and the gr- different grinds and, and whatnot, just like the stock tricks. I learned all those like just by, you know, trying them and, or watching people do them in magazines okay. or videos. So I didn't really have YouTube. Wasn't really a thing. It, it was probably a thing back then, but I didn't know about it because, you know, whatever. I don't think it was around then. That's why I was, I was kind of asking and, about just the difference now. Yeah, it so seems like it'd be easier to learn something. I didn't have anything like that. The best way to learn anything is to literally ride with, with other people that are better than you. Ride with people that are better than you that can push you to, to try stuff and, and give you tips on the stuff that you're not doing properly. Or, hey, if you tweak this a little bit, you'll actually keep your balance better or whatever, you know. So, like, all, all of the fundamental stuff I kind of learned – that way and beyond that it was then just a combination of me trying stuff and mm-hmm. being experimental with the things or taking stuff that other people were doing and learning the harder bigger tricks you know the big jumping tricks everything's easier this is this is a free tip right here okay everything's easier if you go faster higher and farther that's scary though it's like, scary it's, it's but it's easier commitment. i didn't say it wasn't scary right. i said it was easier because you got more time to do stuff like if you yeah. want to learn some, a big jumping trick jump a big jump i mean makes sense i suppose there's dudes that can do like like big tricks on small stuff but that is way harder it's way harder i mean you, you watch guys like uh matt ray he can do everything under the sun on like the smallest thing ever you know but right well, that's way harder. It's, got, it's extremely much, way harder. I started. I recently started following Jeremy a lot after seeing mm-hmm. you at the competition that you took a spot. I think in Houston, right? That wasn't he supposed he broke, to ride? Broke his collarbone, right? And, yes. Yeah. And then I think that opened. If I understood, that opened yeah. a spot up for yeah. you. So I basically, yeah, that one. I literally just decided to go down there. I was like, why the heck am I not yeah. in Houston? It's three and a half hours away. All my buddies are there. It's the first BMX event in America in a year. I haven't seen anybody like, why am I not there? I'm just sitting at home. So I was like, screw it. So I just drove down there. I think it was like Friday night or, and then the comp was Saturday morning. Yeah. Yeah. I got exactly. there at like 6am in the morning and I, I hit up the, the dudes that, that was in charge of it, the monster guys. And I was like, Hey, can I, can I ride? And they were like, well, one of the dudes got hurt. So there's a spot cause it was invite only. And I was just going to go ride. Cause I know, you know, I know enough guys that I can go and just play around and practice and sure. whatnot, but that's what I was planning on doing when I went down there. But yeah, whenever I got there, he said, yeah, one of the guys got hot, got hurt. And, uh, there's a spot if we can get, cause I had to fill out all this like COVID waiver yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. that yeah. was like, just whatever. That's the whole nother conversation. But I had to, so they, they, they basically said, Hey, if we can get the people in charge of the event to send over the paperwork and get you through the system, then yeah, you're in. And they got it in like literally like, I want to say 30 minutes before it started. Wow. Yeah, and I was like, ah, oh, cool. I guess I'm in there. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, like, um, uh, J- 
Jamie Bestwick and Micah Kranz were announcing. Yep. And I've known those dudes for ever. So it's not like they needed anything like they didn't need to see a piece of paper with anything about me to be able to talk about me because we've known each other for so long. So it was just it was pretty seamless. Yeah, and, the and reason I, I brought it up so. was so the name Jerry Mamalot is relevant relevant in Moto Two, a different Jerry Mamalot. Oh, okay, but he works for Red Bull. Where this your BMX Jeremy Mamalot rides for Monster. But anyway, I, I started following him on Instagram. <laughs> Conflict of interest. What's yeah, going on? I, here? I was kind of at name. first. I was like, what? <laughs> but uh, he's doing these tricks that were like very like low speed, very small, like just off a little lift that maybe a foot high, and he's doing these backflip tail whip things, and I'm like. It yeah. looks impossible. So when you say go big, it's way harder. More time, that, yeah, yeah. That's that's way yeah. harder. I could see that. You got more time to do stuff to, sure. to process what's happening and put your feet back on or your that hands or whatever whatever appendage you've taken off. Yeah, as long as you, I guess, you, again, you have to have the two balls to go big. And those, yeah. my two balls have shrunk drastically in the last five years of my age with injuries. They from, probably make pills for that. <laughs> I think they do. I think they do. I think they do. Um, you talked about going and riding with other people that could help you progress and teach you things. Who were some guys that were influences and helped you progress in your early days? So a lot of the influence I had in my early days came from the local Tyler uh, BMX scene. At Noble. Uh, at Noble, yeah. And and just in general around Tyler, uh, the guys that, that rode there, like there's a guy named Alvin Alvin Riggs. We called him Chip because Alvin and the Chipmunks. You know, <laughs> Chipmunk. So like Chip was a huge influence on me. Sport, the guy that owns uh, Elite Bikes in Tyler. Okay. Um, he was an old school BMXer from back in the day, part of that crew. A guy named Nathan, he lives in Hawaii. Uh, he's from Hawaii, lives back in Hawaii now. Uh, Aristio Rodriguez works at the bike shop. We call him Nacho. Like there's a, there's a whole crew of guys that I rode with back in the day. And most of them honestly were flatlanders. Like they were like, they were true freestylers, like in, in, in yeah. the, to the term freestyle, they rode everything. They rode flat ground because there wasn't as much to ride like ramp wise. Sure. So they would go into the parking lots and, yeah, and shred flatland stuff. Yeah. And then they would ride ramps when there were ramps available. They would ride street when street was around, you know, so whatever. So it wasn't segregated like it is now. Like it's really like uh BMX, across the board is definitely split from what it used to be because okay. you have street guys and they literally ride street. That's all they do. They just focus on one aspect of riding. You have dirt guys that ride dirt. They focus on dirt. You have park guys that ride park. I mean, you can, you, you can definitely tell them apart easily. And then you got the flatland guys, obviously that, that everyone kind of, they, there's a weird stigma with, with flatland where people think that they're like, kooky or something because their bikes look different when they're oh, yeah, literally yeah. Sure. like they're awesome they're the same it's the same mentality as we have all everybody but they just focus they hyper focus on flatland and it's amazing what they can do like flatland is is ridiculous now like a dance almost it, dude, it is absurd what it is compared even to what it was when i was messing around back back yeah. in the day because my bike was always set up where i could go ride ramps or I couldn't grind handrails back then, but I, you know, I, I would think I could. So yeah, I got pegs. I can run it. You know what? Like me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. I um, pegs. I've never grinded once. Hey, hey, you'll get there. We'll, we'll get you. We'll get you there. But um, I was always set up to do everything because I wanted to do everything. And and the guys that influenced me back then in in the Tyler the Tyler posse as we called it, they all wrote everything as well. So it like that was a huge influence. And not to mention they were all quite a bit older okay. than me. I mean, they were. Let's see. Back I was. 15, 16, they would have been late 20s. 
So probably a couple years older than you, I, I would think, maybe yeah, or around old. around your age or a little bit older. But back then, they were in their mid twenties, sure. late twenties, and so they were older, and they were these guys that like good guys that I could trust. My parents trusted them. Everything, you know, I could go anywhere. I, I was never afraid to go anywhere in town with these dudes. We would go ride street downtown and in North Tyler and stuff in like areas that would be considered kind of sketchy. But I was never worried about it because I was with those dudes and those dudes wouldn't let anything happen to me. Yeah. I mean, it was like if someone, you know, came up and was being sketchy, they were the first ones that would step in front of me, you know, and like be like, hey, no, you go the other way, that type of stuff. So I was always protected from that standpoint, safety wise. But on top of that, they were also the first ones that would slap me in the back of the head if I said a cuss word. Oh, nice. Okay. Like, well, you think it makes you cool? Because you, oh, you learned a cuss word. You're big and cool now. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that makes you awesome. Whatever. <laughs> Those kind of guys, you know, very good, good role models, awesome role models that I'm very grateful to have had back then. And, you know, it definitely, I'd say it definitely played a, a, a role in forming who I am now because yeah. there's a lot of uh, stuff that you can get involved in when you're a kid that age that, can send you down paths you don't want to be down or that wouldn't go to where, where, you know, where I am today. We ended up, yeah. Yeah, where I ended up. So, and, and I, I definitely credit a lot of that to those guys. I mean, my, my family is a, a bigger role in sure. that as far as that's concerned. We're going to talk about your mom and dad. <laughs> yeah. They're awesome. So like that's, that's played an even bigger part than those guys, obviously. But as far as like being kind of that independence, my first real taste of independence away from home by myself in town, that type of stuff was with these guys. And they were the guys that would slap me around if I got out of line. And awesome, I, yeah. I, I couldn't, literally could not thank them more or enough for that because that is huge. And anybody out there that has got younger riders that are a part of their crew, do that for those riders. Like, you don't even realize, like, the influence you have over the younger kids. Yeah. That's- it's, it's huge. And to be a good influence and a good role model is is massive. Dude, I love that, man. And it's funny. I haven't known you very long, but like super friendly as soon as I met you. And when we hear some, that's of just audio, what I put off. Well, when we hear some of the audio <laughs> that I told you we have from some of your buddies, it's a pretty, I think it's pretty general consensus. It's pretty uh, across the board that you're a pretty good dude. So oh, thank you. Yeah. I think that it, so cheers to the guys that influenced you and your mom and dad who are rad. And uh, yeah, I think they did a good job. That's pretty cool. Well, thanks. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, first competition, where was it? What was it? And talk about like fears, nerves. First competition was Eisenberg skate park in, oh goodness. It would have been 98, 98, maybe 99. It wasn't too crazy long after I started riding. I mean, I see, I want, I want to say it was 98. Okay. Uh, Cause it was, it was a local contest that they had there for just a local am contest. Yeah. And I mean, the like back up beyond that, the very first time I ever went to Eisenberg's, I had never tried like a 360 before and I pulled a 360 out of this little fly out oh, thing. Geez. So it's like progression for me, like was, was like, like a, a vertical wall yeah, basically straight up. At, at that point in my life. So that being said, you know, going fast forward to those contests, you know, I was doing, let's see, that would have been. I was doing like, I think I did 540s. I was doing 540s back then. Like stuff just that you wouldn't think. Like, so no, no real nerves, it sounds like. Yeah, nah, I would just, go. dude, I'd put more pads on and, and go for it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I mean, uh, so Eisenberg's was my first contest. And of course, the nerves are there. I, the, the same nerves that I had back then, I have now. 
exactly the same. Okay. Like if 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 um, Megaramp Comp was tomorrow at X Games, be the same. It would be exactly the same. Waiting for it to go, you're like, <sighs> yeah. You shortness. Of, you feel like you're getting shortness of breath because you're just like antsy. You sure. get jittery just because ready. you got adrenaline. You just want to go. You want to go, but you can't go because you got to wait for the time. This whatever, and you're just like ready to go. And and especially you know all the years riding in front of big crowds and and doing shows and stuff kind of makes that easier. It makes that it makes that easier to handle, I guess you could say, but they're still there. The same feelings are still there always. And That's but it's it's good because it's kind of it drives you a little bit, I I think. Yeah. And the I'll say this every time I have to pick music for contests. I think the last few years it hasn't really been so much. You still have to put songs down that you would like to ride to. It doesn't mean they're going to play that during your run cuz it's more of a jam format type thing. But um I couldn't tell you like what music is on. I couldn't tell you what the announcer is saying. Totally zoned in on what you're doing. Literally, as soon as like, they're like, you're watching the guy at the top of the ramp and he says, go. That's when you know, okay, it's, it's on like cameras are on. It's time to go. It's time to do my thing. And as soon as I do the little, little crank to get going, it's, it's all, all that goes away. No nerves, nothing. It's just now I'm riding. This is what I know how to do. I'm not, worried about the camera i'm not worried about this guy over here whatever i'm i'm in my own world and i'm doing my thing and i'm i'm just gonna try to to stomp this run or wh- whatever it is what whatever a contest it is if it's mega ramp or whatever that's just like the last few years those have been the main contests mm-hmm. that i've done so that's the most uh, recent you know but um yeah and that's literally like it all goes away as soon as you start riding and then you just revert back to what what you know how to do okay that's yeah, that's impressive. I'd, I'm the opposite, probably. I'd be like, dude, I can't ride to that song. No, <laughs> I used to ride to Britney Spears. Oh like, no, I'm toxic out. and stuff. And like, <laughs> that's funny. I do remember that because it was retarded. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> but uh, that was like well, 2004, I think. But that fits X-Games. your personality, I think. Just being goofy. Like I had that. a I had a, a pink bike and I rode to Britney Spears. Dude, I, that, my GT Pro Performer was pink, hot hey. pink. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I had the Pepto pink. Yeah. Kind of like that up there. On the oh wall. yeah, that, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, the Dodsons jumped on here on YouTube and they say, Hey Morgan, what is the scariest thing you have ever done on a BMX bike? Ooh, that's a good, that's a good question. The scariest thing would be honestly, I think that looking back, it's hard to say that looking back. Cause when you're about to do something, no matter what it is, yeah. it might be the scariest thing. Okay. Right. So, but then once you've done it, it's like, Oh, that wasn't so bad. I mean, if you're, if you're sitting like, at like a gnarly set of trails and you're at, you've been riding the small lines all day and then you go to the big line and you're like, okay, these, these are like 30 foot gaps like this. You have to go full speed yeah, you gotta and in. you trust the people who made them because they know what they're doing to roll in. And you know, if you got guys that hit, hit this, this much speed and you're going to go the whole way through. So it's like first run, you're like terrified, but as soon as you get to the bottom, you're like, wait a minute. That was better than anything I've done all day. All that little stuff. Why was I even messing with that? Yeah. And then you don't ever even touch the little stuff again. And then it's just fun, right? So I guess it 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 depends for the scary the scary level it depends. Cause I was I mean, I was I was a little nervous the first time I did the, the drop in at Mega Ramp. Okay. Yeah, when yeah. we we finally got the rail out because I've been asking for it for a while because I wanted to jump down to the second level. Yes. For the yeah, rolling instead yeah. of doing just the rolling like all you know the pansy way all those guys that just do the rolling what losers. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like the first time I I did that like I had nerves and then as soon as sure. I did it I was like oh that's not so bad 
maybe I'll do a trick, you know, and then you start doing tricks down and whatnot. Um, in China two years ago was the first time I double whipped down it. And that was because I think, uh, Michael Laren bet me, I wouldn't do it. He's like, he said hundred, hundred bucks. And I was like, Oh man, hundred bucks, like hundred bucks. That's, that's a pretty good amount of money, but yeah. I don't know. Double whip. Eh, what if I eat it? And then, uh, Fudger, Ryan Fudger, the works for uh, our BMX, formerly ride BMX magazine back in the day. He was like, what's that? And we told him, he goes, I'll put a hundred on it. So it was 200. I was oh, like, Oh, it's 200. Oh my gosh. And then our Willie was like, what'd you say? I'll put a hundred on it. 300 bucks. I was like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> I have to do it now. Yeah, you gotta go. Yeah. So I was like, all right, you know what? Last run, we had four runs. I was like last run, if I'm feeling it uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. And then, and then it worked perfect. And I was like, Oh, cool. And then it was like, that wasn't that bad. Yeah. And then, you know, come, uh, Minneapolis the next, the next year I did it there and it was, oh no, it was, was it, I don't remember what, I think it was the same year. Maybe that I don't, was, I don't remember. I think that was 19, 19. Yeah. So that was the last time we did. Yeah. yeah. So I did it there too. And, um, it all blends together. Right, I but, know, um, right. and that they had it out the rail out already because they knew, they knew what was going to happen. And they're uh, like, Oh, we got to like push this. The, the thing with like big events, this is getting off topic a little bit, but I'm no, going to go, right. I'm going to go there is they never want to get outside the norm. If you ask for something that's different, they're always like, eh, eh no, I, I don't know if we can do that, right. ah, whatever. And then if you just do it, it's kind of like uh, easier to ask for forgiveness than permission type of a thing. If you just do it afterwards, they're like, they see the reaction of the crowd and they're just like, that was amazing. Like, for instance, uh, when Michael Laren and I, we had both done runs. This is in, in uh, 19. Uh-huh. We had both done runs that we were stoked on. I was like, yo, I'm, I did that dub whip to no hand three flip to one hand dub whip. I can't improve on that. I landed high, both, both feet on. Like it was, I can't improve. I'm not going to up my score. So I was like, okay, well normally at that point I'll be like, let's see how high I can go do a tabletop or something. And I look at my Kel, we're back. He's doing the drop in also. And he looks at me, he's like doubles. And I'm just like, yep. <laughs> and of course, you know, like TV, they're like, are they trying? Because they saw us both getting ready, and it was Michael's run, and I was going. I went right after Michael, right? right, right. So they see us both like lined up, like lining up like this, and they're like, "Wait a minute, what's happening up there?" And so the guys in the and they got the earpiece, and they're like, "Uh, I think they're both gonna go." And they're like, "Don't let them do that! Don't let them do that!" And so the dude stepped in front of the thing. He's like, "No, no, you can't do it!" And I literally was like get out of the way. This is happening. And he was like, okay. So he stepped out of the way. And then we went like literally like, yeah, I said that as I was putting pressure on the pedals. Ready to go. So it was like that whole, like, don't let crap get in your head thing. I was like, get out of my way. <laughs> and we went and sure enough, dude, the crowd went, went ape. They oh, went nuts over it. And we didn't even do anything that crazy. We both jumped in. We both flipped. And we both aired and that was it. And we weren't even like super crazy, but the crowd went nuts. And then of course, afterwards, all the ESPN people were like, that was amazing. This is awesome. And they were just like, that was so good. And we're like, yeah, we told you, like, get out of the way. (laughs) This is happening. So like anytime something out of the normal happens, like you got to fight them a little bit, but once you do it, it's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. I don't remember. What was the original question? I got way off topic Uh, on that. Hell, I don't even know. Yeah, I lost. Scary, I, scary. Oh, scary. Oh, What's the scariest thing to do? Yeah, thanks, yeah, Dodson. Yeah. yeah, way to go. Way to get us off topic. <laughs> but like, uh, it, I could probably say like uh, I did an uh, not an event, what, what the, a project. I did a project with Red Bull in was that the pipe, the Baldy pipe? Twelve, not Baldy. It oh, was. That's it was. What I was gonna it was about. called the Hellhole. Okay. It was out in uh, Wyoming, Ev- Ev- Evanston, Wyoming, out kind of 
past Park City a little bit, okay. right there in the, in the corner of, of Wyoming by Utah. Uh, there's a pipe out there in, a, in a, an area somewhere. I don't know if people want to go. Top secret, right? I, I don't think it's top secret, but you can find it if you want to look for it. Anyway, um, and it's like not a great full pipe. The bottom of it has this this crazy like launch into a pool mm-hmm. that is ridiculous that rooftop did years ago, which is absolutely bonkers. But um, I didn't mess with that because. <laughs> <laughs> but the pipe itself isn't like a full pipe so much as the top of it is round, but then the bottom of it is more like bank to wall. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's the bottom of it has like swoops up from yep. the middle a little bit like a pipe, and then it's there's like a kink, and you have vertical walls that have an arch over the top. Oh, jeez. And it goes all the way up. So you can ride down. It's cool because you can ride. And the thing is, I think, 16 feet tall, I think. I think the whole 16 feet tall, somewhere in that in that neck of the woods. That's what you said the Baldy was on, on the video, on the competition. Did I? Yeah. Uh, Baldy, I think Baldy's a little bit smaller. Okay. So I might have been, I'm been wrong there. That's all right. Maybe it's like 14, 16, maybe it's 18 feet. I can't remember. Yeah, anyway, I, I watched Baldy last night again, so that's why I was. I want to say Baldy is. Vertical part is probably six or seven. I want to say it's like, let's just be generous and say fourteen. Okay, that's still it's that's gnarly because it's it's a lot tighter. It's a lot tighter than than the hellhole pipe. Okay, and but that one it's cool because you can start at the top and ride down it and like bank to wall rides the whole way down it. Okay, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. But the very very top for about eight or nine, maybe ten feet of the pipe, it's an actual pipe. It has transition that goes all the way up the full radius. And then that like has like a a, um, a noodle neck turn that goes straight up, right? Whatever, what is that called? I don't know. Noodle neck. It's definitely not. Noodle I like neck. noodle neck. Noodle neck. Go with That's that? called a noodle neck. Whatever the heck I that like is, like a neck. pipe joint. It goes whip. It goes straight up yeah. to, to the reservoir. It's an overflow yeah, yeah. reservoir thing. So then it, and then it opens up. Um, I feel like I've seen, I saw that video too. Yeah. So, so the, the water comes down, it shoots out and goes down that little launch thing into that pool. But at the very top, you have a full pipe that's 16 or seven, whatever the heck it was. It's big, um, for about 10 feet that you can ride like a, like a, a full pipe. And then you have the bottleneck thing or whatever the heck it is, the noodle, neck. The noodle neck. And you can like roll around that like a berm kind of and like going there, I knew that they wanted to do this project at this pipe and they were like, oh, we'll get Morgan to go because the, the full pipe guy, what I whatever. I I like looping full pipes. And it was, it was one of those things where I was like, yeah, hey, I don't know if I'll loop it, but I'd, I'd love to go there and ride it. That'd yeah. be cool to be a part of this project. So um, we went out there and I had always wanted to do like, ride up it and then basically roll around the top yeah. and then back in. So Some up, video game stuff up there. the noodle neck turn and then ride around like a 360 berm above the actual pipe. Sure. So you're actually wall riding over the hole, which is super dangerous and not, I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I did not do this by okay. the way, but that was my idea going into it. And I was like, and then I got there and looked at it. And I was like, <laughs> No. Never mind. Well, we actually dragged a four a four a four fifty Honda into there. I did see that video and dragged yes. each other up yes. the pipe the yes. pipe with a little rope yep. and to be able to air the end like a quarter pipe, yes. right? And like Sebastian Keep went to the moon out of that thing. It was yep. awesome. That's the one I Huck, saw. Hucker went crazy on it. Uh Cam Wood was there, uh Matt Berenger and I think there was a couple other guys. It was it was so fun. It was so much fun. Um 
But yeah, we had the dirt bike and half the fun, like I was driving the dirt bike whenever Baz was doing his airs in there. Right. And like it, it was so gnarly because it was go as fast as you can. Cause it's all uphill the whole way to it as fast as you can till the last second. And then basically get off to the side and skid to a stop, yeah, yeah, yeah. but be out of the way. Cause then he would go flying by up and then come down and have to miss me. And there was a very narrow space right. at the bottom of the pipe because you're on the dirt bike and it's trying to like slide, slide back to down, the middle, sure. right? So, but it just made it that much that much crazier and scary, Dodson. It was scary. Yeah, it was scary. Yeah. But then you know, of course, I got the. I was like, well, we're here. I got to loop this thing. And then I was like, oh man, how do I loop this thing? And I was trying to figure out because normally, like if I like Baldy, I would basically carve down the pipe mm-hmm. from the from up in there a ways, and you pick up a lot of speed going downhill like that carving. And you do wide carves on either side and then carve up to maybe like a little over, I guess it would be three o'clock or whatever, mm-hmm. a little bit over the vert, the vert point where it starts going, you know, inverted. And then you just turn, you're going forward really far. So you just turn straight sideways and then all of a sudden you're going way faster and it's like, <laughs> and you just yeah. zip around it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it works as long as you don't go too fast. Cause you'll blow off the back if you go too fast, but there's kind of a, there's a happy medium in there. It's just but feel with it. It's, it's literally feel. Yes. Holy crap. And, and it's, it's trial and error. Like the first time I did Baldy was the first legit full pipe. I actually did. That was back in 2004. I think, I think it was 2004, maybe 2003, uh, maybe oh three. I can't, it was back there. Some way back, oh, way back way in back. the day. Yeah. Anyway, it was back then. And, uh, that was, it was literally just like, okay, I'm going to try it. I guess it seems like it'll work and it worked. And my front wheel actually came off the, the roof at one point. Cause I was going a little Jeez. too slow. So then like, but I've gone back there, I don't know, a handful of times since. And I've, I've probably looped it like 15, 20 times since that. Cause every time I go, I'm like, well, I'm here. I might as well do yeah. it like eight times. So like I would just, you just keep doing it. Cause it's, it is fun. Once you find the sweet spot, you're like, beep, beep, you want to do it someday, someday. And Cody Hennings can Manchester me on this. If he wants to someday, I'd like to do a double loop in there. Like, I was just about keep to, going. I, I had a feeling that's where you were going, but, uh, cause it's on my list and I will take a full uh, Manchester is if you say you're going to do something, someone says, calls Manchester on it. If you don't do it, you get an open hand slap as hard as they can slap you to the face. If you don't do it. So. Okay. I like that. There's rule. no timeline in this Cody or whoever <laughs> wants to do this, but I do want to do it and I've wanted to do it for a long time. So oh, gnarly. maybe someday that'll give me the fire to, to get back in there and do it. But, call but Red, that call Jerry, Jerry Mamalot at Red Bull. <laughs> yeah. But the, the hellhole project was, I was terrified. Cause I was like, how do you get speed? Like I said, in Baldy, you start at the top and kind of gain speed going downhill. Yeah. This is at the top. The only part that's a full pipe is at the very top. Where right. do you get the speed from, right? So it's like pedaling uphill into it, but then you got to turn sideways somehow. And the walls you can't carve because they're banked to, to walls instead of a full pipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, um, they're flat. So I was like, well, I'm gonna have to like carve around the noodle neck thing and then straight into it. So I kind of like figured it out, and sure enough, finally I, I was just procrastinating like crap. And then it, it was uh, there was a storm coming and thunderstruck. That's definitely the video. I and saw. it was like, yeah crap i have to do this right now because it's gonna start raining and then we're done i sure it, it won't happen if i don't do it right now so I, I literally the thunder hits and i was like i forget what i said but it was something like well here we go something yeah, yeah. of that nature yeah and then everyone started screaming and i was just like yeah, let's do it and it, it worked like it went around it and it was like it felt perfect yeah and i was just like oh 
That's that wasn't so YouTube. bad. Yeah. That wasn't so bad. Yeah, it's called Red Bull Full Circle. Yep. If you look it up on YouTube, Red Bull Full Circle yep. is that project. But um, that was terrifying, like, thinking about it. There's a reason I was procrastinating because I was like, because <laughs> today. you start thinking, like, oh, what if I come off here? What if I crash there? What if I break this? What if I break, you know, and and it's all a big head game. When you start going down that route, you might as well just stop because you're, you're already Done. talking yourself out of it internally. And it's, you're just going to, it's just going to get worse unless you just pull the trigger and do it, which thankfully, you know, God gave me a little thunder. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> get in there, boy. It worked. That was awesome. All right. Let's talk memorable, about your parents. Memorable, terrifying moment. Let's talk about your mom and dad, your mom, teacher, mm-hmm. homeschooled. Yep. Uh, one of the videos I saw on YouTube, you know, you're at their house and they're kind of yep. making fun of you for wearing a chess pro forever. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, really cool parents. Very supportive just talk about that, man. Have parents because it's not you don't always get parents that are that supportive of your passion. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people these days aren't fortunate uh, enough to have both their parents in the home. True, that true. At the same time, which I was very thankful to have to have that influence. Um, a very solid family life and, and family relationship. Um, and not to mention, my mom and dad were very, very, very supportive of everything that I wanted to do. And just the other day, literally just the other night, we were we were having Bible study at my house. Um, and my mom brought up that like, yeah, I didn't know like where this whole BMX thing was going to go, but it was like one of those things like, like almost, she almost was like, yeah, well, I didn't really have a lot of faith that it would go. Cause we were right. talking about well, faith. Yeah, sure. We were talking about faith in, in the study and that's what kind of brought it up. Um, but it was like, uh, just let, we'll see where it goes. Let them, let them do it. See where it goes. I mean, and they drove me all the way to California for contests that's for cool. like the old CFB contest back in the day that Hoffman put on and, to Florida, actually Cocoa Beach, where I'm going this this next weekend. Um, Merritt Island for a contest out there, up to Pennsylvania. Like so, they drove me all over the place to uh, pursue this BMX thing because they knew how much I enjoyed it. And you know, I had other family, other family that like were the exact opposite. They were like, "What is this? Is not this isn't going to amount to anything?" And they really looked down on the whole like, "Oh, he thinks he's going to make a living doing that." Like. And then, you know, sure enough, the first time, like, I win a contest or they see me on TV or whatever, and they're just like, oh, this is great. We've believed in you the whole time. It's like, no, you haven't. No, uh, yeah, no, yeah, you yeah. haven't. They always come out of the woodwork. Not, imme- no, no, not immediate family, but other other family. Sure. Um, I won't throw them under the bus too hard. But anyway, <laughs> you know, so it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, they were extremely supportive from day one. I always tell people my first sponsor was my mom and dad. Lee Wade, my first sponsor. He would he would drive me to contests. He he used to give me like uh back when I first got my uh, driver's license and and I was in you know college and stuff. I was doing schoolwork and and dad would give me like you know gas money for the week and he'd be like oh here, here's an extra twenty bucks get some you know this what whatever or if I, hey where are you doing this weekend I'm going to Dallas to ride bikes with my buddies he's like here's you know fifty bucks or whatever he would he was my first sponsor that's yeah hands down that's how my dad and was too with photo it was awesome it was awesome you you couldn't ask for a better scenario than that. A lot of a lot of people don't have that, and you know they make it work. So kudos to them for that. Make the best of your situation, but well, at the same time, it doesn't hurt to have, you know. Yeah, well, they were just out at the at Dotson. Like I don't, know, I met them a month ago, I think. So they came. Uh, out. Yeah, they, well, that that was. They were still being built in, so it's been before. it's been it's been, it's been a little it's been a little bit longer. Yeah, time time flies, flies, man. But yeah, they came out. I think they brought they brought my little guy out yep, that, that son, day. Yeah. yeah, he he came and hung out. Uh, and they yeah they hadn't seen it yet. My dad's a carpenter. He's a master carpenter. So he you know came out and he was just like, oh nice. Like he, he got a did kick he, out did of he it. Did he find anything wrong? Oh probably he <laughs> <laughs> probably there's probably all kinds of yeah. stuff wrong. Shh. 
no, it's perfect. Now it's great. It was perfect. Uh, Kevin about, Kevin Blaylock welded all that stuff together. It's good. Yeah. So if any of the welds come loose, it's Kevin's fault. Kevin's fault. Uh, talk about the chess pro story. This was. Uh, I think you had a. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you had a little deal, I believe, with your dad or your mom. Like you had to wear it. It was a Thor chest protector that oh, I got. That's fantastic. I, wish you still had that. I do have it. Do you? Yeah. It's in my. It's in oh, my shop at the house. That needs to go in here. I saw it literally like two days ago. I was really? in there. I looked up and I was like, Ah, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. So Road Fools Five. Taking it way back. This was in January of 2000. They came through East Texas. They were they rode, you know, Oklahoma. They started at, at Hoffman's in Oklahoma, and they came down to Dallas. And then uh, there was a guy back in the day that, that ran a little webzine called Not Freestyling, because Freestyling Magazine back in the day. Oh, so he, yes, yes, It was yes. a takeoff of that, the same font, but it was Not Freestyling. Okay. So it was, you know, that was the that was the the joke there. And uh, But, he yeah, he ran a little a little webzine that was that was cool not freestyling I, I wish i could think of his name but um i'd have to do some serious digging for that but he met up with those guys in dallas and was like hey there's a sick skate park in tyler texas that just opened up whatever you know so they were like oh sick so they diverted drove a couple hours came out to the park and i literally was gonna go meet up with a bunch of uh the the og crew um in Tyler, my buddy CC and those guys, they all did like they were like kind of like the dirt jump dudes, but mm -hmm. they rode everything as well. And they had some little trail spot. And I was gonna go meet up with them, but there was a kid uh, that didn't have his license yet that was out at the skate park, and he wanted to go too. So I had arranged back in the day before cell phones, right. I had arranged by calling his house and whatever the night before. <laughs> hey, I'll pick you up and I'll take you out to the jumps. We'll yeah. go hang out. So he's at the skate park. Road Fools shows up in his bus. All these. This just a truckload of, of pros that everybody knows who they are, all the posters on the walls and stuff, you know. And I show up and I'm just like, what the heck is this? And I get out there, I'm like, what the holy cow. We're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. So yeah, we totally <laughs> all the other boys. dudes were already out at the jumps. Yeah. They didn't have cell phones, all right? I couldn't yeah. call them to let them know. They're yeah. like, wait, what? We missed it. <laughs> That's awesome. I was like, sorry guys. It is what it is. But yeah, yeah we went out there and I had, of course, my full face helmet on and my my, my chest protector and all like pro design knee pads and yeah, elbow pads yeah. do this huge. They might as well have been <laughs> knee pads, but they're on my elbows. They go from like almost your wrist to like your bicep. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I was all padded up and sure enough, rode for a while, watched them ride for a while, then rode, rode a little bit in between. And then I did, I had this one thing that I would do is alley 540 from a quarter to a wedge. And I, I started, I tried a couple of them, I think just cause back then, you know, back then you, it's not like, Hey guys, film this. Like, yeah. Who does that? Like, no. So I was like, well, I'm just going to ride and it'd be cool. Like to, to show off. Cause these are all my heroes. So I was like, Oh, I'm going to do the hardest stuff I know how to do. So I was like pedaling as fast as I could everywhere, trying to air as high as I could. Sure. And, and they noticed, you know, cause they're like, Oh crap, look at this guy, you know? And cause I'm, I'm, I'm that kid. I was the local kid, the dude at the skate park. That's the, it's Wait, big. the guy at every park has their guy, sure. you know, that's like the dude that does all the big stuff or, or the technical stuff or whatever. And I was that, that guy at noble back in the day. And sure enough, I tried this 540 alley-oop and I don't, I probably didn't even pull it the first time I tried it, but they saw it and they're like, yo, film that. So they filmed it. And I was like, Whoa, they're filming me do a trick. This is awesome. Yeah. So that hyped me up even more. And then I finally got it. And then, you know, they Troy McMurray talked about it. That was that was a moment right the there. Highlight right there, huh? Yeah, I said I had a Jamie Ron chest protector and I looked like Simon Tabron. Didn't even know my name though. Some local <laughs> kid. I don't even know his name. Looked like Jamie Ron. Simon Tabron. That's cool, man. 
But it was awesome because it was like, oh my gosh. It's like, you ever watch Monsters, Inc., that Pixar movie? Oh, yeah. And and you have Mike, Mike Wazowski is like, yeah. I'm on TV. I'm in the commercial. And they show it and the thing covers his face. And he's like, I'm on TV. And he's like, this ever. is awesome. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, yeah. So I was like, they didn't even know my name. And I was like, I'm on props. This is amazing. <laughs> That's fucking rad. It was literally the exact same thing. If you took that scene out of Monsters, Inc., that was what happened. Really? That's, <laughs> that's awesome. And uh, funny, another funny little side note, my first time I ever got a photo in Ride Magazine was at uh, UGP Roots Jam in 2003, maybe? I think it was 03. Um, and I got, I got a picture doing like a Superman seat grab over this rail. It was a center picture. It was, it was awesome. And then the next page you flip over, and they had a spine at that contest, and I'd never flipped a spine before, but I was like, in the moment, you got to do it. I, so I flip whipped it. First time I ever flipped a spine, I did a backflip tail whip over it. Oh, Landed wow. in a manual and looped out. and <laughs> like, I manual for a while. So yeah. like, it's kind of like, no, I didn't pull it because I, I did loop out at the end. But I did manual for a pretty good ways. <laughs> like if, if you filmed it with a static shot, I probably would have manualed out of the shot. Right. So you could probably you pretend know. like, Oh yeah, yeah. I, pulled I wrote it, it out. <laughs> yeah. I wrote it out. Yeah, of course I did a 180 out of that. You just couldn't see it, <laughs> but, but that, that got a photo in the magazine too, oh, but it wow. said it was yeah. Scotty Kramer. <laughs> it said Scotty Kramer flip whipping this mind. Now Scotty could flip whip anything back yeah. then. He was like, I don't know, 15 or 16 or something like that. He was amazing back then. And he actually, I think, he won the contest. I got second place. He got first place. But the side note is, like, it's the same thing. First time I ever get in a magazine, and there's a picture of me, and it says it's somebody else. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I love that, man. That's great. But it's okay. Scotty's freaking awesome, too. Yeah. So. But you you continue to wear the chest pro. And didn't you have a deal, though, that you had so, to wear it? No, it wasn't, it wasn't so much that I had to wear it. It was <laughs> the, deal, the deal we had worked out was if I got hurt wearing pads – my mom and dad would pay for the, the hospital okay, bill. Yeah, yeah. But if I wasn't wearing my pads, if I was being that's what it was. Yeah. A doofus looking cool, not wearing my helmet at the park and I right. smashed my head, then I had to pay for it out of my own pocket or, you know, cause I, I made so much money back then I could, <laughs> and I could afford that. Ballin. <laughs> so it was more, it was more of a scare tactic, I think. Cause that's not like I had money to pay for that stuff, but I did wear, I did wear my pads. Like yeah. for the most part, I got a, um, a swollen knee in 2000. It was I think it was right before, right around the same time as that Road Fools thing, actually. Okay. Um, I had smashed my knee, and I wore my pad on top of my knee for like a month. Yeah. And it was swollen, and then I got, you know, a nick or a cut. We call that vert AIDS when you get like the, the gnarly staph infection. I got a staph oh. infection in my bursa on my right knee. Oh, wow. On top of my kneecap. Yeah. And my knee was swollen so big that there was a lot of staph in there, and then it spread into my bloodstream. And then one day I went, I had gone to bed and I, I got up to go to the bathroom and I just fell over like plump on the floor. Right. I literally like pretty much passed out, couldn't move. And my, my dad, mom and dad heard that and they came in and basically carried me into the ER. They said I had the flu, sent me home the next morning. We went to our, our, uh, our family physician and he looked straight at my knee and was like, that doesn't look good. And did some tests and found out that I had staff basically in my entire body. Wow. And they sent, he sent me straight back to the, to the hospital. And I was in the hospital for about a week uh, while they were running antibiotics through my system to get rid of that. And they, they actually thought I was going to have brain damage because it was in my head, too. It was Jeez. everywhere. Like, wow. it was gnarly. I, I, it was, if we had waited a few days, I would it would have killed me. 
So it was, it was, it was bad. It was, yeah. it was a bad one. And they had to like cut my knee open and, and drain it and to pack it full of gauze. I had 160 some odd cc's of fluid in my bursa sac on my wow. knee. That's a lot of yeah, fluid. Yeah. In me. You're yeah. supposed to have a drop in right. that, that yeah, yeah. one drop. And I, that sucker was like a glass of disgusting milk. Wow, man. Glad they <laughs> caught it when they, but did. yeah, they, they, they cut it open, packed it, got yeah. it and it healed from the inside. out. was real gross. It was, uh, it was awesome. But that smelled awesome. It's also part of why I wore my I wear my knee pads all the time Smart now. Smart kids, you know, wear your I, protective gear. Actually, I, that's not the cameras up there. I say I say that I wear my knee pads all the time, but I, I, they're built in my pants. So yeah, yeah, you wear the, the what's the 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 military pants? Cry Precision. Cry, yeah, yep. Cry Precision. They are also own Multicam, which is the camouflage pattern that the military uses. Yep. And uh, I'm on Team Multicam through uh, uh, military like. Um, it's like military. Uh, I can't. My brain's not working right now. What's but charities? Military yeah. charity stuff yeah, and, and all the stuff that I do overseas for yeah. shows for the troops and stuff. Yep. They're like perfect fit. They put me on the team because everyone that's on there is, is some as either former military that does stuff to help uh, military style charities. And that's whatnot. really cool. So, you do that. So my that buddy Hal, my buddy Hal is big on that. He's a yeah former marine and yeah, yeah. he saw that when I I. I was staying with him in. Uh, oh yeah, I remember Houston. you talking. I remember you talking yeah, about that. He he, yeah. he recognized the pants right off the bat. So yeah, yeah, he, yeah. They I know they appreciate that. Whenever I got on Multicam, uh, Ernesto, uh, the guy that that is kind of in charge of that 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 part of the that program, he's a old school BMXer. He used to work for Dan's Comp back in the day. Okay. So he he there's a, a connection there uh, with him, and he was like, "Hey, do you think you could ride in, in the combat pants?" And I was like, "I'll try." So he's like, yeah, "I'll send you some." So he sent me some, and sure enough, they work great. So I was like, "Oh, awesome!" So he sent me a bunch more. And now I have really That's expensive. Kind of one of your signatures. I have really now. expensive riding pants, dude. It's it's cool though. It's one of your signatures. I, I've seen you know, on the videos, and you talk yeah. about it on some of the some of the old videos I saw on YouTube. So that's cool. Um, let's talk about some of the bigger events. No, no, okay, no. Let's no, right. talk about uh, bigger. Well, guys, we're done. <laughs> we're done. Yeah, sure. Uh, what you got? Two thousand seven. There's a YouTube video where you get gold in Dallas at, a, at yes, an LG Action Sports and Championships. If I'm not mistaken, watching it's, it's just your last run. The video I saw, but I think. Mm-hmm. You had maybe not cleared some sections earlier, and maybe had some crashes. It sounded like, and because the guy talked about, it. he's been trying to do this all night or something. Yeah, there there was a few uh, gaps that I I've done in practice that were hit and miss. <laughs> so when you when you do something in practice or you don't do something in practice that you're trying to do, yeah, how do you just you just will yourself? in competition to go, I'm doing it anyway, or so, do you, does it in the back of your mind going, eh, maybe I should stay away from that. The way I approach those types of competitions is I find something that I want to do. That's the biggest, whatever. I try to find the biggest gap that I can do at the park. Like that's always been kind of like one of my things is what's the biggest gap that's possible at the park. And I want to get that done. And I always say, okay, well I'm going to do it out of the gate. So I'm the most primed and ready to go. I have the most energy and I'm, I'm fresh. So I'm going to do the hard part when I'm fresh and then, you know, essentially, there's probably a better term for it, essentially coast through the rest of the run. Okay, but yeah, I still, I still, down. the other stuff is definitely still hard. It's just, I can do that when I'm out of breath, as opposed to, I can't do this gap when I'm out of breath. I okay. can't pedal full sprint, full tilt yeah. at this gap if I'm out of breath. So I start with the hard stuff. And at that contest, I believe I started, I jumped like from the box over like another ramp to the backside. And it was like a, a big gap that... I think I had done it a couple times in practice maybe, but I had trouble with it, if I remember correctly, something yeah. of that nature. But there's all 
there's been I've done a few contests over the years, so they all kind of blend yeah, a little well, bit. But that was a memorable one because I did win. It was in yeah. Dallas, yeah, that's what and I'm that was literally thing. the down payment for my house. So okay, nice. Yeah. You talked about that, like just us hanging out about that, and I'm going to ask about the car too um, <laughs> here in a minute. But yeah. um, just how about the opportunities that have come from this sport? Like you, you competed in Brazil, Munich. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, what's like as a kid. I'm sure you, you don't imagine that this is going to lead no, to this world never, travel. You, like, I mean, so as a kid, you think, oh, I'd like to be a pro BMXer. This yeah. is my this is my hobby. I want to be a rock star, and I can't even play guitar. I mean, do what you got to do, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. There's some guys that you lived your dream. There's some guys that are that are quote unquote rock stars that I don't think can play guitar. It's probably true. Uh, or well, what about about singers that that use the computer to oh, make their yeah. voice auto tune? Yeah, auto tune, sure. So you can just get a computer to help you. You'd be all right. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't live with myself like that. <laughs> what was you it? M- Millie Vanilli, dude. Just hit play and <laughs> you lived your dream though. So yeah, that's what I want to hear. But about. like every, every kid, like you think about like, this is what I do for fun. This is, I rode bikes for fun. This was, I found it really fun it, and it, it wasn't a job back then, but you think, Oh man, it'd be awesome to be a pro to be this, that, whatever. It'd be cool if it goes there, but you can't focus on that. It might not, have, that might not be what, what the Lord has in store for your life. And you know, it, it, that might not be where, where your, your path leads, but if it does awesome, go all in 110%, 200%, like put everything towards it, whatever you're doing, like definitely put put your all into it, you know, and, and it could, could lead anywhere. But for me, you know, BMX was always something that I wanted to do. And I started going to like local contests and I, I won every single am contest I entered uh, that was like a local thing. I won all the Eisenberg's comps I went to. I won all of them. And then, you know, I started going to like the bigger comps. I went to like the CFB in what was the first one I went to? It was, it was at Woodward actually, uh, it was a camper in 2000. Uh, they had a CFB it was the first year they were doing the CFB, the crazy freaking biker series, what Hoffman called it. I like and it, it I, I may or may not have been a qualifier for X games back then. Uh, but anyway, that, Regardless, I rode the am the expert class. I initially signed up in beginner because I was like, I don't these guys. Everyone's amazing. Like, yeah, yeah. I was the dude at my local park. I was not the dude at the contest. You get there and you're like, oh, this is okay. Now you're in a like a a, a, new level. a skate park full of the country's dudes. Right. Yeah. The, you're the <laughs> of all the dudes, and, and you're the, the, the you're the small the big fish in the small pond. Yes. And then you go to the big pond and you're like, yeah, I ain't so big here. Right. Right. So right. I was like, oh, I should probably ride beginner because I okay. I suck compared to all these dudes. And then you know, like I mean, that was bad. I like think uh, Alistair Witten and Josh Harrington and a bunch of like those guys were all riding expert. And I was like, no, there's no way I can compete with these dudes. And then you know, I sure enough, the week goes on and I was like riding with a lot of the guys that were in the beginner class. And I was like, okay, I, I have to bump up like, because I, I, I knew that I was better than that, than that skill level. Right. But I knew I couldn't win the other one. So that was a hard pill to swallow, yeah, but yeah. you have to swallow it. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Dude, see, you, so, my producer TJ was here right now. We, we battle about this in moto because I ride the novice class. And I've been riding the novice class for like 30 that years. That guy. <laughs> but look, I don't, I'm top five or seven yeah. or eight. Like if you're winning every single one, that's different. See, that's if you're not winning, if you're not winning, then that's, that's different. Right. My thing is like, I, I probably would have won that the beginner class, beginner easy. class. Easily. Yeah. And I knew that. And I was like, well, okay. So like, I, I mean, I want to win, but it's really, yeah, I could, really do, I could do tail whips. I could do flips. 
I could do five forties and stuff like that. And nobody in the beginner class could do any of okay. those tricks. Yeah. You know? So it was like, okay, yeah, I, I know that I'm beyond this, but I, I, so I, I changed, I switched up to expert class and I wrote and I got like last place or something. I, I did terrible. <laughs> I did absolutely awful, but you know, I kept going to the events and then like the next one I went to was in, uh, Lake, Lake Paris, Lake Paris by Riverside. California. Okay. Yeah. Wherever the, there's a lake out there and there's like, whatever they had out there at a, at a skate park out there. And I, I qualified first in that, in that contest an expert, but it had been like three or four months. But like I said, back then that my progression to that point was like this straight up, straight up. and Oh no, no, no. I know what it was. So I was at summer camp at Woodward and that was the last stop of that year, that CFB. The next one, the one at Real Ride in Lake Paris, California, was the second contest of the next year. So there okay. was there was like not a full year in between, but it was probably like nine or ten months maybe. So I progressed a lot in that period, and even like Road Fools, all that stuff happened in that in that yeah okay in between that gap. And then uh, my dad drove me out to California for that contest, and I qualified I qualified first. And then, you know, biffed it and got like fifth place or something in finals. But, um, and I remember, I remember distinctly that was, that was where I met Gary Young was at that contest. And he, he, he would be like, oh yeah, yeah. Have you, have you heard of the Ampro? The Ampro. And I was like, the Ampro, what are you talking about? Cause he was writing pro and he was like, yeah, it's you, you're the Ampro. And I was like, oh, sandbag. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And then of course I qualified first and I'm like, great. <laughs> and if I win, I'll never hear the end of this. Right. I didn't win though, Gary. So see, same, same thing. Right? Sure. Yeah. But then the next one after that was, was in, uh, I forget. I think that was at Woodward as well. And I broke my leg the week before I was there for two weeks as a camper. And the contest was the second week. The CFB was the second week. Okay. The first week I broke my leg oh, during camp. So I got to watch breaking. Yeah. With, with crutches. And then you fast forward to the next year, uh, Cocoa Beach or my, uh, Merritt Island was was the first event that year, and uh, I that was my first like legit big time pro comp that comp that I entered. So I entered, entered pro there, and did not did not didn't do well. <laughs> but oh. I did ride pro. There was, a, there was a whole crew of us that that was all of our, our first. We all kind of like stepped up to pro. Right. Like me, Matt Sparks, Brian Kaczynski, and a handful of other guys all moved up that contest but you may not have won that event but you you go on to uh, gravity games gravity games 2004 so it wasn't too long after that yeah, yeah. and you win a volkswagen gti and like i don't really care it, about the event so much you can talk about it if you want okay. but i like the post story with the car right because it doesn't last long yeah so i won i won the contest um and i think the prize was like 24 grand or something like that and here i am kid Oh, so you didn't win the car. You won money. I won money, and I went and bought a car. Yes. So yes, yeah, yes. I won like I won the money, and then uh, I don't have any bills. I my stuff lives at home. I'm on the road all the time doing yeah. contests and shows and stuff, and road trips and whatnot. And literally, no, I don't have bills. I have a phone bill. Maybe what was that like sixty bucks a month or something ridiculous? Yeah, so sure. like, I was like, cool car. I'm just gonna buy a car. So I bought a Volkswagen GTI at 2000. I believe it was a 2003. Yeah, it was a 2003 uh, Volkswagen GTI 1.8T. Had the the the, um, the Silverstone gray. It's kind of like gunmetal gray with some flake in it. Oh, oh yeah, beautiful car. Yeah, beautiful car. And uh, bought it cash. 
Drove it for about a week and then got just plowed in an intersection and totaled the crap out of it. Just, just, it just, it was done. Yeah, it was over. And I was like, oh, cool. And the way the insurance thing worked out. So I was coming up to a stoplight. It was kind of rainy. The light was green. Guy ran the light, hit me, hit the front of my car with the front driver's side of my car with the front passenger side of his car, sent me into the, uh, the giant metal post that holds the, the the traffic light. Yeah. And right down the center line, just car just went around it. it. Airbag went off, broke my nose. Oh, like geez. it was great. Split the skin on my septum right here. And so here I am. I'd had a knee, my another infection in my knee before that, that I was just getting <laughs> okay. over. So I still had like, yeah. an, oh, they had to open it and let it drain and all that sure. stuff. So I still had like, gauze in my knee. I was headed to Austin to go to, cause I could ride. I had the okay for my doctor to go ride. Right. And sure I just put, I patted it. No, I did actually. I really did. <laughs> I, I had it padded. He's like, as long as you clean it really well yeah. and you change the gauze, you know, as soon as you're done riding, change the gauze, clean it, hydrogen, pro, all that stuff. You're good. So I had my pad, my pads and one on top of it, but driving the car, what do you need pads on the car? Right. Exactly. So this happens. Knee slams into the dash. <sighs> And it's of just course. like whap, and just, of course, blood all down from my knee down into my sock, and my nose gets split open by the airbag, and it's just bleeding down <laughs> down my face, my mouth, my chin, down my throat. My shirt is bloody from the collar to my belt buckle, and then it, that is even bleeding down into my pants because my nose was just gushing. And I get out, and I'm a little dazed, but I was like, "Oh crap!" And then like this lady opens the door, right? So I'm sitting in the car. Cars off, music's still playing. Oh, I'm hitting things here. music's still playing, and I'm just like, "What just happened?" Yeah. Like trying to get my bearings. Door opens, and the lady's like, "Hey, are you all right?" Like, oh my gosh, because I'm bloody everywhere, right? And she's like, "I saw the whole thing. The guy ran the light. He hit you. This, that, whatever." I was like, "Thank goodness." Yeah, don't go anywhere. I thought that's what what <laughs> what I remembered, but thank yeah. goodness. Like, and uh, sure enough, I get out. I go sit sit down by the curb in front of the car. I'm looking at the car and the ambulance shows up and they come running over to me because I look horrendous. And they're like, do you need to go to the hospital? I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, it's literally a broken nose. It's just bleeding. I'm fine. I'm just, I'm just going to sit here. And the guy, let me back up a little bit. The guy that hit me got out of his car when he saw me out of the car and he was kind of like, you know, thug type dude tattoos on the neck like the whole thing playing a gang or i don't i don't know He's probably friends with me and kevin he was Blaylock. he well, now he was definitely like <laughs> he was rough around the edges and he comes up to me just screaming and cussing trying to fight wanted to fight i'm gonna fight you all this stuff and i was just like bro like chill out dude and i was like whatever he's like screaming and ranting and raving so i was like i'm gonna distance myself from this guy so i walk over here sit down on the curb ambulance shows up runs over to me because i look terrible this guy's running around throwing his arms around screaming and and cussing and i'm on the curb blood everywhere so they come to me he sees that and lays down and goes oh my neck oh Oh and i I watched him do this i watched it and i was like whoa and uh, then I was like, no, I'm fine. And th- they took him to the hospital on a stretcher with a neck brace. No way. And I was like, wow. And then a guy rolls up. I had seen, uh, he, he rolled up and said he was a lawyer, saw the whole thing, looked at, basically looked at my car. This is like an ambulance chaser type dude. Yeah. Looked at my car, looked at this dude's like 
Taurus POS like junky thing that wasn't even that damaged. He could have driven away, driven away. It like just had a dent in the front of the, the bumper, really. <laughs> yeah, sure. Where he just bumped me into the pole, right? Right. My car is totaled, but it's a, a fancy looking car. So he's like, "Oh, here's a rich kid that has money that has a nice car. Here's a guy that probably doesn't have money, and whatever other reasons he thinks he can win a lawsuit easily." Goes, tells him that. Then the guy lays down and starts crying about his neck, goes to the hospital. Sure enough, the police officer that's writing the report is like, okay, I'm looking at this situation. Like, I see, like, I can tell that you're not at fault by what I see here. Mm -hmm. And he said, this guy is saying that you ran the light and hit him, and he's a lawyer and all this stuff. And he's like, is there anybody that, can that saw vouch it that yeah. vouch for it. I was like, yeah, the lady that pulled me out said she watched him run the, she saw it and he ran the light. He's like, okay, where is she? And I started do, she was nowhere. She had left. Oh, good gosh. And I'm like, oh no, we'll put an, I put an ad out in the paper in, in Waco yeah. to try to find this lady. And I never found it. So he, the, and the officer was like, look, man, like I don't believe you're at fault, but I have to write down that this guy says he saw you run the light because he's, a quote unquote witness. Right. And it has to be in the report. And so it's going to look like it's your fault because there's no one to say otherwise. And I was like, Oh great. And uh, so on paper, it was my fault. According to insurance, it was my fault. That is so effed. Yeah. It, it was, it was lame. Wow. And then uh, that guy got, he got his payout, whatever it was for, I don't Unreal. know. Unreal. And uh, the insurance that I had, because I just bought the car, I didn't have the title yet because the, the dealership had the title. So I paid cash for it. He paid off the dealership. The dealership sent him the title. Then he turned the title over to me. So I didn't even have the title yet from the dealership. So because I didn't have the title, when I went to put my car on insurance, they were like, okay, yeah, when we get the title, we'll get this all sorted out, but you're covered. Cool. I was like, all right, cool. And I didn't really think to ask any questions beyond that, but they put it on liability only. Oh my, Wow. So it's like a perfect storm of yeah, crap. crap, just garbage. Jeez. So I was like, oh, cool. That story was way better than I even thought it so was. So it was like, I think I paid 14 and a half grand for that car, like cash that I won at that at Gravity yeah. Games uh, in, in 2004. And um, I was like, well, that's a loss. I now have a giant paperweight that's sitting in my house here. Awesome. I think that was in that video with my mom and yes, dad. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's crash yeah. for a car. And then uh, insult to injury, not to rag on my buddy that that edited that <laughs> that video, but the way he edited it made it look like I just ran into a pole by driving crazy. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I just said I hit a pole. Yeah, that's and and I that's thought. all he put in there, yeah. and I was like, bro, yeah, that's thought, not what happened. Come I on, man, you were hot rodding or something, making yeah. me look bad here. But then I ended up, uh, I still had my Toyota pickup. And so I drove that for a while, and then I found another Volkswagen GTI, Silverstone Gray, uh, 2003, 1.8T, with way less miles on it. Uh, it's actually Jamie Bestwick's wife's car, Carrie oh, cool. Bestwick's car. Uh, they were pregnant with their for their son Sam, and she wanted a bigger car. So she's like, I can't have a baby in this car. So they sold the car to me. So, awesome. Well, so I got that car, and I still have it, but it's got right now it's sitting in my shop because the uh, timing belt snapped at 70 miles an hour not good for your no that's not, not good. good for your valves wow what a story All yeah right. that's my story so that's how i got two volkswagen but that that sec jamie's car the, the gti that i got from jamie that thing was so much fun i i ended up doing like a big turbo kit to it a garrett 28 rs Oof, it was fun it was putting down 
somewhere in the neck of the in in like the the high threes, just around four hundred horsepower range. Hell yeah! In a four banger, a little right. four banger front wheel drive. Put a limited slip differential in there. Coilovers. Oh, dude, it was so fun. I even oh, had a yeah. cut. I so where the where the cat goes, we put a straight a three inch downpipe off the turbo. <laughs> deleted the cat right because Texas. Hell sure, yeah! Sure, yeah. And Why not? uh. And we put a dump valve right where the cat goes. So I had a switch under the steering wheel that was hidden that you could reach under and, and push it. And it was one of those little cutouts that would just. And so I, I'd push that switch and it would go. It had this nice like stock uh, 20th anniversary exhaust. So it was like a nice, nice, nice purr to it. Yeah, right? yeah. And then you'd hit that button and, and it would just sound like a 5.0 Mustang. Because it was That's just cool. dumping exhaust straight onto the right. ground, right under basically the stick shift. So yeah. it's like inside the car, you're like, ah, it's so loud. <laughs> but, oh, my gosh, the turbo would spool way faster because it didn't have to drag it. It didn't have to, like, neck down and go through the exhaust and the mufflers and stuff. <laughs> so it would just spit that exhaust straight out straight and down. spool right up. So, oh, my gosh, you'd open that thing up, and it would just be like, boom. Oh, man, it was so funny. That car would launch so well. It would take turns good. I mean, the thing is. Yeah, you can have a crap ton of power, but if it's the weight to power ratio, sure, yeah. it's important. I mean, yeah, like, yeah. look at traction. look at a motorcycle. They don't have like the power that like a muscle car has, but they don't weigh anything. Sure. And you got you got to be able to put it down to the ground, you know. So like, this car has like a ridiculous amount of horsepower for a little a little four cylinder, but it also didn't weigh hardly anything. So it just felt like a little rocket ship. It's so much uh, fun. Good times. Someday I'll get that thing rolling again. again. I'll probably get it going and just sell it. But like, right. it's it'll be fun to drive it a little bit. I like it. I like that's a great story. Yeah. I got a few more things I want to talk about before I let you go. Um, just talk about the gold medals, like what that felt like and what it meant. You know, you, um, just uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, coming, a dream coming true. So, like uh, the first big comp that I won was uh, would have been Roots Jam 04, which is a smaller contest as compared to X Games, but it was a big contest in the sport of BMX. Okay, it was one of the big jams that if you were in the core of BMX you knew about this jam. This was one of the big ones for, for that. So it wasn't mainstream so much as it was like, you know, uh, industry. Yeah. Um, and I won, I won that in 04. Second place the first year I went to it, which was the year Scotty. Scotty won and got the, his name on my photo doing the flip whip. Yeah. And yeah. Then the next year I won that contest, and that was kind of like I won a bunch of contests that year, like kind of back-to-back. I won okay. that. I won the CFB, which got me into the X Games. Well, no, I was in the X Games in 03 also. Oh man, it all, it all it does all run together. But oh, I remember. So I I had gotten second place at the CFB and got a spot at X Games the year before in two thousand three, and then two thousand four I won. So I got second at Roots, second at CFB, and got into X Games there. And then the next year, won Roots, won CFB, got into the X Games again. And that year was even crazier because there was only one spot available for X Games. You had to win the CFB to get that spot. So I won the one spot for 2004 X Games that was available yeah. through other contests, but essentially uh, that were that were around the U.S. That's impressive. So that got me in there, and then uh, X Game. I think I got like I don't know, sixth or seventh place those years, the earlier years at the X Games there. But um, fast forward a few years, like the net. Well, like I said, 04 was the year I won Gravity Games, which mm-hmm. led to the car story, and then uh, goodness gracious, after that. 06, I got my first medal at X Games, which silver. is in park with silver. Yeah, and that was the first year they had Mega Ramp. And that that's a whole other story. We'll get into that in a little bit because that's that's a good story too, the, okay. how, how I got into Mega Ramp. So remind me and we'll okay. talk about that. Or we won't talk about it, and everyone listening will be like, hey, I got ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so 
silver at that X Games. It was down in the the Home Depot Center, down in the the tennis court area. Yep. That was just a really cool setup. It was a fun yeah. setup. Pepto Bismol bike that year. Okay. Yeah, that was the Pepto Pink bike. Um, and then yeah, I took a little break from getting medals at X Games <laughs> till what was it twenty thirteen. I think 13 was, 13 my, was the gold. gold. LA, that was my yeah. next medal was that, that yeah. gold medal. Okay. And that was in LA. Yeah. So I, I, you know, played, played just outside the metal contention. I got a lot of fourth places in, in mega ramp. A lot of them. Fourth and fifth hard, places. A lot of disappointments. It is what it is. I mean, when you're trying, like you're trying to trick, that was when I was, I was trying somewhere in that range is when I was trying to do like trip whips and stuff. And I oh. never, never pulled them, never pulled them. Every, every run I always crashed, never got a good score down or I would get a score that was like a, a safety run. Yeah. It was good enough for fourth place or whatever, or fifth place or whatever. Um, but then finally I pulled, I pulled my trick in. So the 13 was the year that we did the world tour for X games. They did, uh, Iguazu Falls, Brazil, which is a beautiful place. I bet. It's beautiful down there. Um, and then we did um, Germany. Not Germany. Barcelona was the next one. We did Barcelona, Spain, and then Munich, Germany, and then and then L.A. was the fourth one that year. And Mega Ramp was at all of them. So I, I was one of the lucky ones that got to ride all four all stops, yeah. which is awesome. And in Brazil... Uh, that was the first time I stomped the triple whip on the quarter pipe. And another fun fact, I've never even tried a triple whip ever in my life on any ramps, no foam pits, nothing. The only thing I've ever done triple whips on are the mega ramp quarter pipe. Okay. I've, those literally the only double whips, is the only, the biggest, closest I've ever come anywhere else Yeah, on, on my bike, uh, ramp wise. And I've only ever tried them over 20 feet above coping. Cause it's like, I, I feel like I don't have time if I'm, yeah, that's a, that's a quick trip. I did a lot of double whips on it, but then finally I was like, I'm doing the, the triple whip. It was always in a contest. I never tried it in practice. I just <laughs> tried it in the contest. And the first one I did was 2010, I think. 2010. It was when we did um, Mega Ramp in the LA Coliseum. Okay. And yeah. they had the rally course around the Mega Ramp, oh, and yeah, all the yeah, dirt yeah. got on the ramp, and we couldn't ride because they had to clean the dirt off. The, yeah. dude, it was terrible. Anyway. We finally made that happen, and sure enough, I was doing uh, double whips, and I was like, I'm going to try a trip whip in the contest, but my first run, I'm going to do a double whip and get a good score down because I'm tired of getting fourth and fifth fourth. place. <laughs> I want my safety run to be a good run. So sure. I was like, I'm going to do a nice high double whip, like no hand to flip to a double whip, whatever, something something like that. And I'd been doing them in practice, but I was always dragging brakes a little bit into the quarter, so I was only going like 16, 17 feet maybe doing double whips. You know, so low. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Only 16, 17. The thing feet. on that ramp, though, that it's it's like uh, it sounds it sounds cliche to say another level, but it's like it's literally like a 15 foot air on the mega ramp quarter pipe feels like an eight foot air on a regular quarter pipe. Okay. I can see Does that make sense because yeah. yeah, yeah. you're going so much faster and the ramp's so much Wide. bigger. It yeah. doesn't feel, it feels like a normal quarter pipe when you're going 60 miles an hour. Sure. Cause it's like, whoop, you just cruise through it. But if you're going like you, a normal speed for a ramp, you, you barely even scratch the transition. You're just like, yeah, it feels yeah. like it takes forever. Cause it's a 25 foot transition. Um, so I went like, I was going like, you know, 15, 16, 17, however high on my double whips. And I was like, well, it's a contest. I got to go full tilt. So I was like, burn, bomb it. And I just white knuckled all the way into the quarter. Just no brakes, no dabbing, pumped as hard as I could the bottom of the landing. I never pumped the quarter pipe because I don't want to screw up my takeoff. So I literally pump as hard as I can off the landing and then coast 
and just set up to do the air right. Because if you do the air right, you're good. If you screw the air up, you're screwed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally, quite literally. Um, so when I did that, I took off and I was like, I went way higher than I had been going in practice <laughs> yeah. the whole time. And I wasn't prepared for that. And I literally was like 21 feet, maybe something like, so I added like four or five feet to my air and I went to do the dub whip and I, went, I did the same exact speed rotation for a 15, 16 foot air. Right. But I was at now at 21 plus feet and it was like one, two, Oh crap. If I catch this, I'm going <laughs> to keep rotating because I'm like, literally I'm like at the top and I'm finishing the double whip. And you know, you want to time it to where you're like one whip on the way up, one whip on the way down. Uh, and I okay, went I whip, you. whip, and I'm at the top now. And I'm like, if I catch this, I'm just going to do the whole like awkward tortoise in the air and just keep rotating and land 90 degrees and explode. So I literally just made the choice. I did one, two, and I was like, we're going again. And I just, <laughs> I let it go again. And it went around and I yeah. got my feet on the pedals and I was like, Holy crap, it's working. But the problem was that my front wheel was a little high. So when I landed, I looped out. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, uh, and of course the crowd went nuts because no one had been doing, no one had done trip whips. I, that was the first triple toe up on the quarter pipe at Mega Ramp that anyone had done, at least in the contest that I know. that I, In the contest, someone might have tried it outside of the contest somewhere if, they, yeah. you know, Bob said, I, I have no idea. Still people but went nuts. I don't think so. Somebody might correct me on that, but I, to my knowledge, I, that was the first time anyone had done a trip whip on, on the quarter pipe and, uh, I, everyone went nuts and I was just like, well, I can't do a double whip now. <laughs> can't go I got backwards. three more runs and yeah. I've, I've got to stomp this because I just got my feet on. I know I can do it. Now I don't have the luxury of having a safety run in the bag. Then I was like, well, okay. So three more runs, crash, crash, crash. So I, and I, I just got bad, bad, bad scores. Didn't do well. So fast forward to 2013 so three years or so of me doing that brazil i did my run and came around and i was like over the deck a little bit and i was like i'm gonna die and i but i literally i saw it and i i pulled the bike sucked the bike in yeah and barely made it in and lent like tires on stickers so like literally when you say stickers there's like you know the, the vert on on the quarter pipe mm-hmm. and then you have the coping yep. under the coping there's like a foot tall sticker that says mega ramp yeah, or X yeah, games yeah, yeah. or whatever. Sure. So, and most ramps have, a, they'll have a sticker. If they have a sticker, it'll be right under the coping. So if you hear someone refer to like landing stickers on like a, a quarter pipe or a vert ramp, that means you're literally like kissing the coping on the way in. Like you're catching every bit of transition. Very, very It's close. like perfect. Like it's like when you, when you're playing skate or die and you're in like the, the half pipe <laughs> yeah. and you get it perfect. And you're like, yeah. yeah. And you go yeah. higher on the other side. That's what happened. Okay. So I was like, one, two, three. And I'm looking, I'm like, here it is. And I pulled it in and it was like stickers. And I just literally sped up going down the ramp. And I was just like, I was more surprised, I think, than anybody there. <laughs> and now people, by that time, people had done trip whips because other guys, you know, caught on to the game. They're like, yeah, he sucks at those. I'm going to get that done and, and start winning <laughs> right. contests. Right. I think Zach Warden won that contest with a trip whip on the, on the quarter, but you know, you know, no offense, Zach, but it was, it was only 10 feet lower. <laughs> <laughs> I love Zach Warden. I, yeah, lo- I yeah, love yeah. him. I, lo- I love the burn, but I'll give him a jab if I have to, Of course, I'll give him a jab, but yeah. So, uh, I've only ever tried that trick over 20 feet and sure enough, that one, I finally stuck it and I got third place at that contest. So it was, it was Zach got first, Keggy, Chad Keggy got got second and I got third. And I mean, they both just destroyed the contest. Like my jump game on that ramp has never been like super like on point. All my score comes from the quarter pipe. Okay. 
or it used to at least. I, I have a better jump game now than I used to, but back then I would I would be like, I'm doing the safest trick I can over the jump, a flip no hander, which is like might as well be remedial. Like most dudes don't ever even jump that thing straight. They flip it first go because it's more comfortable to be spinning in the air to stay straight. If you jump it straight, you get that awkward, like start to lean, yeah. and the, you start to lean yep. and then you just eat it and it's not, not fun. So most guys is, Hey, it's easier to flip it. Just go down and just look. And it's, it's a mellow lip. So you just literally look and you just slowly come around. Um, but so a flip no hander, it's not that great of a trick as far as like score wise goes. Okay. It looks cool. Yeah, Cause you can take your hands off for like ever five minutes. Just like, just hang out like that. But, um, so score wise, it was never really a super like high scoring trick. But then you know I wanted to set up for the quarter pipe so I could go really high and and try those triple whips and whatnot. But finally stuck that. And then in, in uh, Barcelona, I got second. No, no, I got fourth place in Barcelona. I think because I, I biffed my runs there. And then Munich, I got second place. And then L.A., I got first place. And it yeah, oh dude, it's it's, cra- it's crazy when you actually finally like grasp something yeah. you've been striving for for so many years. And it just, I mean, was it like just emotions, almost like tears or uh, no? Cause like, I, I, I guess I don't put that much of my, um, I don't, I don't put that much of my work, my self-worth in contest okay. results. Yeah. So I wasn't emotional that way so much as I was just like, yo, this is awesome. So, yeah, and yeah, like, yeah, you're, you it. get to be the star for a night or whatever, yeah. you know, it's, it's cool. It's, it's fun. It's fun when, when you get that, the privilege of, of that, of that honor. And, you know, I mean that contest, honestly, it was like, it, it was pr- pretty neck and neck as far as like, score wise goes because Vince Byron did a bonkers run too. I I think I want to say he did like a flip double whip maybe, or maybe it was like a seven twenty over the jump. I I forget what he did over jump. It was, it was a cool jump. It was a good jump. And then he did a five forty double whip at like, I don't know, 14 or 15 feet, which, which is huge. Yeah. And no one had done a five forty double whip on mega ramp. When he did that, but you still won. That's cool. It was yeah. gnarly, but the difference was my 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 jump. I think I did a flip Superman into a triple whip, but my triple whip was twenty two feet. I think so. I mean, it's literally the height was the advantage. Okay. Do the, do the they add that in? Like the higher you go, does that? Oh yeah. Okay. I thought so, so. It's exponential. Like yeah. height on on the quarter pipe is exponential. Okay. Like it's if you go, I I am under the. I guess not not everyone shares this opinion, but my personal opinion on Mega Ramp, and I'm not dogging on anybody. It's if you can ride the ramp, you can ride the ramp. That's awesome. I'm stoked. But in my personal opinion, I don't even think you should get a score get, be in the top the top half or the top seventy five percent of the, the crowd if you don't go over fifteen feet on that ramp. Like if you can't go over over Fifteen feet or so, like how high you can go on a regular vert ramp. Yeah, if you if you can if you're going as high as you can go on a regular ramp, you shouldn't get a good score. The whole point is it, it's called big, big air. air. Yeah, you should be. It is not hard to go fifteen feet. Like I said earlier, like a fifteen foot air feels like a, a six or seven foot air yeah, in a regular yeah. quarter. So literally, it'd be like going out to to Dodson, and if we had a. a a best trick contest on the eight foot quarter in front of the box jump and dudes are going 10, 11, 12 feet doing whips and flares and stuff. And then someone comes in and does a, a three foot 
triple triple tail whip. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah okay, it was a triple tail whip. Cool. But yo, you're only three feet out. Like, <laughs> hey. come on. Like you literally you literally started on top of the box jump right. and rolled in, yeah. took one pedal and did your hard trick and landed flat. I see what you're saying. That's not sure. cool. Like, okay. you know, and, and so that, that's that's kind of like the differentiation. Now, that is not the same exact. It doesn't translate perfectly because if you land flat on Mega Ramp, you're pretty much dead. You're right. Death. But, like, you, you definitely, like, the difference between a 15-foot air and a 20-foot air is huge. Like, you can jump the small, the short jump and go 15 feet by pumping a little bit. And then you can jump the big jump and do nothing and go 15 feet. And then you've got guys that are like doing all their tricks at 15 and then you, you want to go to 20. So the difference between 15 and 20 on like the, the big side is like, if you pump, you're going to go 17, 18. And then if you pump really hard, you're going to go 20, 21. And then if you start on the wrong side of the roll in and jump the jump sideways to get more length, and racer jump it to get more speed across <laughs> yeah. it because you're jumping farther and then pump as hard as you can at the bottom of the landing, then you're going to go 23, 24 feet or whatever. So, I mean, that, that's, it's... It just seems so unreal to me to somebody that's not experienced that. It's it. a huge difference. Yeah. Like, I literally haven't gone a foot over the coping yet. <laughs> like, that's, you know, I, I've told you and our buddies that, like, Hell, hey, barely even rolled in. So yeah. those are my two goals is I want to learn to roll in yeah. and I want to go above the coping and just yeah. do 180. That's all I want to do. And if I could do that, I think I'd be happy with my progression. That's all I need. Like It's, I, it's time on tools, man. It's time yeah, on tools. We got to get out there and do that. And we're going to, we're about <laughs> to get to Dodson. Um, something I want to touch on is your signature bike. Yeah. Hoffman bikes. Mm-hmm. To me, okay, I'm not a BMX guy, but I would think that's, like that's a huge feather in your hat to get a signature oh, bike. Yeah. No, it is. It is. It really so is. Just talk how that come about and like what that meant to you. So this this is actually my second signature bike. Okay. Through the years, back in 05, I had a signature bike through Mutiny Bikes. They were they were my first actual sponsor as far as like bike companies goes. So like I had my dad was my first sponsor. Yeah. yeah. And then Mutiny Bikes picked me up. A guy named Steve Inge started Mutiny Bikes uh, back in the day, and he saw me ride at a local contest and was like, "Hey, I want to, I want to hook you up." And that was like, I stuck with him because he he was one of the guys that saw the potential in my riding and backed me up for years when I wasn't, you know, there quite there yet. But he okay. saw it, and and that so I I was very loyal to Steve Inge. For a long, long time until about 2009, actually, he had actually sold it to some other guys, but I was really good buddies with those guys too. Anyway, uh, I had a signature bike with Mutiny Bikes back then, and then there was probably a three or four year period where let's see, oh nine, I think was when I when I left Mutiny Bikes, and then I got on Hoffman. Actually, we we sorted that out. Actually, literally, I think at the Brazil X Games. Really? Yeah. So I was technically on Hoffman. I wasn't on a Hoffman frame yet, but I put stickers on and stuff. <laughs> okay. So like it was one of those things where it was like, cool, yeah, this is happening. And Hoffman bikes at the time wasn't really uh, th- there wasn't much movement as far as stuff goes because there was a, that's a whole other story with with Hoffman. He's always been about doing something cool for BMX, not about like uh, it's not about making a bunch of money off of BMX. It's about having a cool bike company that does cool things for the sport. And so at that point in time, he had always, was always like, Hey man, like I, I, 
the company's not in a position where I, I feel comfortable sponsoring you because I can't give you what I think you're worth. Oh, that's cool. But to me, I was like, hey, I don't have a bike sponsor right now, a frame sponsor. Here I am, a pro that's riding at the, the top the top echelon in the sport, and I'm not connected with a core company. Yeah, I had other sponsors that, you know, outside industry type sponsors that were, were paying bills and stuff along with shows and all that stuff. But yeah. I did have like um, salary sponsorships at the time, like shoe deals or whatever. Um, but I didn't have a bike company and I wanted to be part of a bike company. So for me, it wasn't pay me what I'm worth. It was, I want to be a part of this company to do things with the core of BMX, kind of get back more to the roots of BMX. And Hoffman has always been my hero. Obviously probably a vast majority of BMXers will probably say that exact same thing. And Hoffman was actually the first person I ever saw ride a bike. Really? I went to the Texas state fair and saw the BMX show. And it was my, my, that was my introduction to freestyle BMX was the sprocket jockeys back, back in the day at the Texas state fair and Hoffman, that was back when he was doing, I think he did the no handed nine five forty was like <laughs> the no handed five forty was like the big new thing. It was 1991, 91, yeah. I think. Okay. Um, fast forward a few years. I didn't start riding, you know, six or seven years after that, yeah. but like, um, or whenever the heck I started riding, I can't remember. You said like 97, so 97. Yeah. 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 So yeah, six years. About five or six years. Yeah. I, yeah, math, math, yeah math, math works sometimes. Math hard. It works sometimes. Sure. Not always. Um, but so uh, for me, I was like, oh, dude, it would be awesome if I rode for Matt. So if I was like, hey, I don't care about that. I just want to be a part of the company. And he was like, okay, cool. So he, we made it happen. And um, that alone was awesome. And of course, everybody, whenever we put out the thing, like Matt made a, a post that had a picture of me doing like a big table on, on the mega ramp at like 20, 24 some odd feet or whatever. So the, the slight sidetrack, the official quote unquote higher record for X games is 23 feet, 11 inches, which I hold. And that's everybody skate, bike, everything on, on mega ramp. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Um, but that being said, I, how they measure height has always been, it's not the same as how I measure height. Okay. That doesn't change what I'm about to say at all, but there was a contest before that. And there's reasons that there's reasons that I won't go into right here, but it's more like political type type reasons. I definitely went a lot higher than that in a contest. And I have a photo evidence that I'll show you a little bit later, but okay. uh, I, I, 25 is, is, is my, my personal record on mega ramp. And I did it in 2007, I think in this inside, inside the Staples center. Um, but anyway, all that aside, Hoffman posts this picture of me doing a huge quarter pipe air yeah. table, like a, like a one-handed table or something, and just says, welcome to the team, you know, Morgan, all this stuff. And, of course, everyone was like, it's a perfect fit. Like, of course, of course that makes sense. Like, yeah, why not? You know. So for me, I'm like, that alone is awesome that that's kind of the response that came from that. I feel like it's a perfect fit because I love the way Matt rides. He's a huge influence on me and how I ride. Um, but – on top of that, like, like Hoffman's my buddy, and it's awesome. How, like, cool, how, yeah, how cool. sick is that? Yeah. Like, and one of these days we will get him down here to the park. He, I know he wants to come out and hang out and check it out and stuff. So if we ever get something together, I'm sure he'll probably come down and check it out. That'll be dope. That's pretty oh, cool, yeah, man. Congratulations on that. But so that all that kind of came together, and um, there's a guy named Ben Hennen that rode for Hoffman. He's uh, from the UK. 
shredder, total shredder, like super good rider. He was on Hoffman for years and he had a signature bike. So Matt had two signature frames. He had, um, uh, Seth Kimbrough had a frame and which was called the Bama Bama. Cause he's from Alabama. Mm-hmm. And then Ben Hennett had the, had a frame called the lady luck, which was, you just had, had kind of like that flash tattoo vibe to it. And, um, the sailor, sailor Jerry thing going yeah, on. Yeah. And they were slightly different geometries. And I, I rode, uh, I rode a Bama for a long time, but I also rode a, a, the lady luck quite a bit and it had a slightly different, uh, geometry. Um, bottom brackets a little bit higher, back ends a little bit longer. So it flies a little differently, that type of thing. And, um, Ben ended up leaving Hoffman bikes, uh, probably not long after I got on, I guess. Um, but they had the lady luck frame for quite a while. And I talked to Hoffman early on about doing, possibly doing a signature frame and we designed some stuff and went, went over some stuff, but it just kind of fizzled out because of other, other issues with, with you know the whole thing with why the company wasn't doing as well and it had to do with like uh major corporations wanting to try to essentially steal the brand from Hoffman okay. and his name and he was yeah. like no that's not happening so he chose to go the route that didn't make the company do as well but he kept it close to home because yeah, that's yeah. where his heart is and, it, yeah. and that's where he wanted sure. it and I 100% he did the right thing so now that that is kind of that all got handled and things started my frame kind of fizzled in that time because of that. Um, and then, you know, when, whenever Hennon uh, left his, his signature frame was no longer a thing cause he still had lady luck frames to sell, but he wasn't going to make more of them. So I was like, Oh, Hey, well this is a perfect opportunity. Why don't we do my signature frame and take the spot of the lady luck frame so that now we'll still have two frames. Mm-hmm. Nothing will change other than the name of the frame essentially and the stuff that I want on the frame that's not on it now. So I, the geometry that I went with is closer to the lady luck geometry. It's a little bit higher bottom bracket, longer back end. So it flies different. Like I said, I added like, you know, the chain tensioners to the, to the rear dropouts and some gussets to make it a little stronger here, there and whatever. And then we did, this is a pretty funny story we did the, um, the prototype was a U.S. made frame and there was an issue with the guy's scale that he used. Oh, so he weighed geez. he weighed the frame, and it was like oh, I, seven and a half pounds or he something. Told this story on a YouTube thing, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It was like seven and a half pounds, yeah. and it was like, oh, what? <laughs> like that is ridiculous. Like yeah. bikes are like, yo, they're like five and a half, six. Right, is high. Yeah. Six is high. Yeah, yeah. And so it was like, okay. So whenever that came out, like Hoffman, you know, he didn't really think anything of it. He was like, okay, yeah, it's the weight, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, of course, uh, <laughs> Kyle Carlson over, over at, uh, vital BMX saw it and was like, he texted me. He's like, yo, what's up with this? <laughs> I was like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. And he was like, let's do an interview on this. I want to know why, why in the world of what business does a BMX frame in this day and age have, coming out that heavy yeah. and I was like sure let's talk about it <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm gonna tell you. Yeah. yeah and I was and so we we he'd sent me over all these questions and I typed them out and I was like okay like I yeah and I'm like the frame I'm on like feels good like I I didn't know it was that heavy like yeah. I found this out later so I'm like it doesn't fly weird like my bike feels fine like and you know what I'm okay with it if that's how heavy it is fine it's whatever it is, yeah it works for me so 
that's that. I'm not a weight weenie. I don't care about having a super light bike. I actually don't like a super light bike because it doesn't handle the same in the air. I would think it'd get I, away from you a little there's bit. There's a happy medium yeah. for me personally. So I was like, look, man, I stand behind it. It's, it is what it is. Like, whatever. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, whatever. Right. And kind of took that attitude with it. And then uh, the pro- the the ones, so I had the prototype. And then he had made like a, a, a limited run of 10 frames. U.S. made frames. And those are the ones that came in at that weight. I didn't even know what the weight was on the one I was riding. I just got, it came in the way I wanted it. And I just put it together and wrote it. Yeah. So I didn't even ask what weight it was. And uh, so these these 10 that he was going to sell, this limited run, came out seven and a half pounds or whatever. <laughs> oh, gosh. So I was like, hey, Matt. Um, and this is honestly before I answered all those questions, but I found out the weight and people were like, yo, what's up? Yeah. I was like, hey, Matt, um, this probably won't sell like very well if we do like a Taiwan run of these, like a big, a massive run of these. Cause kids don't, they sound heavy. A lot of kids aren't going to want like weight is an issue that they are going to care about. Yeah. I was like, what can we do to lighten this up with the Taiwan ones? Like, I'm not worried about these U S ones. That's fine. They're cool. Whatever they work. I'm, I'm riding one. It, it's fine. But, and, and those honestly, those, uh, all 10 of those frames, they were, they were like, six hundred dollars they were expensive they were like really expensive because of the way they were made and whatnot and they sold in 10 hours they were gone they're sold out they were gone nice so like they, they went like hotcakes which yeah. is cool that was a nice little thing but i talked to matt i was like when we do taiwan ones what can we do to lighten these up let's uh maybe we can do double butted tubing on everything and lighten it up that way and he's like yeah cool we'll do that so we we made things lighter for the taiwan run and then, of course, these frames come in to for Matt to ship out. They'd already all sold, but they were being shipped the when ten. they sold. Yeah, the original the ten. ten. And they came in, and Matt just sends me a picture of it sitting on a scale, and it's uh, five point six pounds, or, or no, five five point one five pounds, or something like yeah, that. So two pounds. And I, I was like, oh, that's that's fine. <laughs> like, right. That's fine. That's actually on the light side yeah. for frames these days. It's like it's not the lightest, but it's on the light side. And then the Taiwan one, fast forward to like however many months, the Taiwan one comes in, the one that I'm riding right now, puts that one on the scale and it's 4.1 pounds. Oh, my. Because we lightened it up yeah, because you, we thought it was going to be heavier. Sure. So now it went from being the heaviest frame that why on, on God's green earth is this being sold in this day and age to now I literally have probably, if not the lightest production frame, one of the lightest production frames in the market right now. At like four point one pounds or whatever, and who knows? Maybe they've come up with some lighter ones since. Yeah. But whatever. Somebody will probably be like, "Yeah, we'll wait, weenie on it." Whatever. But um, yeah, it's one of the lightest frames, so it's like, oh, cool. It's way lighter than all the other frames on on the Hoffman line, which is cool. And I was like, all right, cool. So it literally, like, we call it the old bait and switch. And I actually got another interview after that came out because I called Kyle. And I was like, yo, guess what I'm holding right now? He's like, what? I was like, the Taiwan version of my frame. And I was like, guess how much it weighs. He was like, uh, how much? And I was like, 4.1 pounds. He was like, what? And I was like, yeah. So we pulled the old bait and switch on you unknowingly. Right. And full on, like, got, like, all this publicity out of it. People were talking about it like crazy. It's kind of, it, this is one of those rare instances where it's like any publicity is good publicity, I guess, because it did turn out to be good publicity in the end. But it seemed like it was bad, so that made people talk about it, which actually made the hype more, which... <laughs> whatever That's it worked out but it was cool because now it's like all right cool now i have one of the cool hip frames it's nice and light yeah whatever like all this stuff and and it is cool i really like i really enjoy it and there's you know 
four or five dudes at out of Dodson have them. Yeah, we got a little I, posse of know, weight man. frames out there. I want one just to fit and, in. And uh, so I asked my my son Cotter. He just turned five. He's been on one of those little balance bikes, which yep. is if parents, if you like have stri- if you have kids, well, Strider's a brand name, but it's okay. a balance bike. Yeah, uh, it doesn't matter if it's Strider branded or or any of the other ones. Sure, balance bike is what the term you want to find. Yeah, yeah. It's a bike without pedals and no training wheels. And parents, if you want your kids to learn how to ride bikes, get a balance bike. Yep. Hands down, training wheels are the worst. It creates what's called training scars. You don't want those because my son was riding his balance bike with his feet picked up, coasting, steering, and cruising up. He actually rode the X Games Park course in 2017, I think. He was two years old. That's what I've heard, yeah. And it's like unreal. It's it's crazy. He could ride a bike and balance it at two years old. He actually dropped in. We have all these keys that we give away at the skate park for yeah, doing first ask, things. We're gonna talk about keys here in a second, but go ahead. So it, my son actually got he got the, the very first key. Whenever I got them all in, I found all these cool keys. I, I got them in. He was like, "Oh, cool!" And I was like, "Yeah, you're definitely getting a key." First person to drop in on a on a balance bike. <laughs> he dropped in a four foot mini ramp. Yeah, over the coping right. on on his little balance See, yeah, bike. I'm still scared to do that. And it's so sick. And then, uh, so for his birthday, his fifth birthday, he's quite proficient on the balance bike, you know, three, three years deep. Uh, I was like, I gotta get him a pedal bike. Like he's, he's ready. He's been ready. And it's just a matter of like with the whole pandemic BS, all the bikes are sold out. You can't buy anything because everyone's at home and they're like, well, we're going to go outside and ride bikes. And they all bought all the bikes out. And then with all like the, the weird stuff about imports and whatnot, you can't get stuff imported. The bike yep. shops are empty. Yep. All it's just like a, a crap storm of stuff there. So I was like, okay, well, I need to find him a bike. I'm sure I can reach out to somebody and find one, but I just hadn't got it done. And his birthday was coming up. I was like, we're getting him a pedal bike. So I called Matt and I was like, hey, do we have any like kids' bikes? And he's like, yeah, I actually have two. The new line is coming out. He has a little, a little pink one and a little blue one, a boys, a boys and a girl one. And uh, he goes, the the blue one is already spoken for. Psycho Devin Halford already already like claimed that for his grandkid. So I was like, all right. He's like, so I got the pink one. If you want the pink one, I was like, that's fine. I'm gonna paint it. I'll strip it and paint it. So he's like, cool. So he sent me the little prototype 12 inch bike pedal bike for Hoffman bike. So it's legit Hoffman bike, yeah. pedal bike. And I stripped it all down and uh, painted it the same color as my bike with a Wade frame, and I put Wade stickers on it. And Hoffman sent me all the sticker packs. So, so I made it a mini version of my bike because oh, Cotter awesome. he always wants to match. So I want to match you. He's always yeah. wanted everything he wants to match. So like. Very Even cool. underwear in the morning, he always wants like because <laughs> he has little little kid Ethicas and I sure. Ethicas and oh, man. He's like, I want the same ones. Yeah. So like, he's always wanting to match. So his birthday for his birthday, I got him basically a miniature Wade bike. That is cool. And uh, the first time on it, literally, he literally got on it and took off pedaling. First try because of the experience from the balance bike. Literally, yep. pushed off, put his feet on the pedals and started pedaling, and yep. it was like boom down the driveway what i've heard the balance bike is the way to go and now he's riding it at the skate park yeah and it's it's awesome but hoffman i sent pictures of it to matt and uh he was like that is the raddest thing i've ever seen the little kid's bike yeah miniature wade frame and he was like we gotta sell that we're do- he was i want to make those the next time after all this whole run is in when we do the next run i want to make those have like a, a father-son <laughs> like bike deal or yeah, some, dude, so something ad, cool like that ad with you for sure so i wanted to do like uh i want to have him like cotter one of his nicknames was KB because we called him Cotter Babe when he's a little baby. Oh, Cotter Babe, KB. So it just turned to KB. So a lot of people call him KB uh, that knew him when he was a little itty bitty. And uh, I was like, oh well, kids bike, it's 
course. Oh, so the Wade yeah. KB the is the Wade kids bike, and I can get Cotter to write KB in his own handwriting and put it in the star because, like, on my stickers I have like the W A D E, but the A is a star, mm-hmm. like a white star, looks kind of like yep. a military star or whatever. So I want to get him to put like the little KB in his writing in like a crayon color or something in the star so That's it's like the sick. wade kb i love and it and then he's got, he's gonna be five years old with his own signature bike <laughs> I love how cool it. is that that is super cool be, a, he beat me to it that's for dude, sure yeah it's another great story we've got some people on here that are like yeah they're loving the stories um we're at almost two hours i don't know if you realize that so oh, all right cool we're gonna touch on a couple more things <laughs> um so i want to get to the dodson action yeah action yeah. sports complex which yeah. is our local uh park that you helped build or yeah. we're pr- the primary builder in with Brian Dodson. Um, yeah. But before we do that, because we talked, you built that with a buddy of yours. Mm-hmm. I talked about what some of your friends have said about you. So let's let's listen to some audio they sent in. And, okay. and we'll do that. Two so, hours later, let's get to it. Yeah, boy. yeah. So here we go. Morgan Wade. What's there to say about the guy? He's a he's an absolute legend around here. And uh, he's got a heart of gold, man. The dude is a... Uh, best thing about the dude is... He makes everyone around him a better writer and a better person. And you could not ask for a better friend than that dude. He's a uh, pure class all the way. Man, it's been so cool getting to know Morgan and ride with him at the Dotson Action Sports Complex. The way he helps motivate us to progress is so encouraging. I'm very grateful to have a friend like Morgan Wade. This is Brian Dotson. And um, I've been asked to say a few things about Morgan Wade a.k.a. the Texas Rattlesnake. It's probably been about 15 years since he's heard that one. Um, In all seriousness, I will never forget. It must have been 15 years ago, the first time I saw Morgan ride. I was a little shrimp, seventh grader, and had finally made it out to the skate park in Tyler, where this absolute madman was blasting 10 or 12 feet out of a seven-foot quarter pipe. It was crazy, and it was Morgan. Um, The man just had a larger-than-life and has a larger-than-life feeling when you ride with him. When when he would drop in in those uh, nobly young days, time would stand still. People would stop and just be in awe and I'll never forget seeing those early sessions and really realizing the potential of a bike rider and what they're capable of and progression and um, especially if you got big big balls like <laughs> the man I mean I'm just talking about airing out a quarter but any t- Anytime he would ride a contest or anything, um, you know, worthwhile, he would just go so big. And then you'd see him just do it in a normal session it would just be mind blowing. Um, so those were those were some of my first memories of riding with Morgan and uh, getting to meet Morgan. And and what I mean by like his biggest fan is I literally had a wall in my bedroom at my house with all of Morgan's. I wouldn't say all of them, but a lot of his, uh, you know, photo clippings from magazines, interviews, you know, God knows how many awesome super whip photos. And um, so, like, he was, like, my favorite rider, always has been. Um, 
always watched, you know, Drop the Hammer and Etnies Ford and, you know, the Levi's days and the Mutiny days. And, man, that time period uh, was really cool and exciting. It wasn't until maybe about 10 years ago I'd moved back from Dallas and um, Morgan and a bunch of the guys and Tyler had built a local or a, a private um, indoor warehouse setup. And it was awesome uh, riding that place with all the dudes. We had some heavy sessions, huge props to Morgan for holding that down. Um, you know, I can't remember exactly how long we had it, but maybe four or five years. Could be wrong, but uh, we just, people just quit paying rent and unfortunately it was just time to go. But that's okay. Uh, a few years went by um, and Morgan has been a huge help on building the skate park in Longview. I want to say Morgan probably was out there. <sighs> he rarely had a day off for three months straight, maybe had a day off every other week. He was out there every day drinking Coke Zero, <laughs> eating little wimpy <laughs> peanut butter and jelly <laughs> kid packs and Whataburger and... Uh, what the hell was it? Little Caesar's Pizza. And it was it, the, the man's maniac, but there's no way the park could have got done without him. Um, it's freaking awesome. So many people come and ride it because it's awesome. You know, people are stoked that he, you know, built it and not to not give credit to the, you know, everyone else. It took a lot of people, but without him coming in there and really putting it into work, um, I don't know if it would have ever gotten done or how much longer it would have taken. So yeah, Morgan's been my favorite rider from the very beginning. Um, not only watching him ride, but just seeing how solid and down to earth he is, you know. When he would ride, it'd be like watching, you know, your favorite rider in the world ride in front of you, larger than life but he didn't treat people like he was larger in life, even though he appeared. So his human aspect that he kept to his professionalism was really cool. And I know that may sound crazy and not everyone may not get that, but I certainly did. He uh, was always willing to stop and help people. And he still is. I was just check just watching them uh, try to teach someone to jump a spine just the other night. And he's the same Morgan as he was 15 years ago. So I personally spent about two years raising money for a park in Longview to uh, be built a public park. And, um, I had a builder in mind, this and that. Well, all of it fell through and by saving grace, Morgan stepped in and stepped up as my lead builder. So, he, the park, there's no way would have been done without him. He came in there and helped me redesign some things, put legit numbers together, you know, put real figures together, timeline, and uh, long story short, we could not have built it without Morgan's leadership and his know-how. Um, he's been in the, you know, BMX industry for so long and having him come in there and handle it like a boss was the only way to go. Morgan, if you're hearing this dude, I want you to know you're one of the coolest guys I know and keep doing what you're doing. You're still impacting people's lives. 
um, even to this day, man, by just riding with them and taking time. You know what I mean? So keep it up, man. Uh, so, yeah, um, <laughs> kind words. He said that audio through text messages was a whole bunch of different pieces. I think I might have got it a little bit out of order. But you got the you got the idea of the what of some of your buddies uh, think of you. Love you guys. Yeah, <laughs> Brian, so, Kevin, John, good guys, all good guys. All my some of my favorite dudes. Yeah, and you talked about the keys, the key club for yep. the, the OG. The some of the some of those guys like Brian, yourself, Kevin, Zach were out there. Yeah, almost every day. So you guys give keys away for different things, learning different. I guess different. Hits different. Uh, there's all kinds of ways you can get keys. It sounds like. Yeah, yeah. But, the the keys were just an idea that I, that I had come up with. Um, because I mean, obviously, we we built the park and the guys that that put all the effort into it. Matt, don't we don't forget Matt. Uh, yeah. Made, made just, there was a lot of guys that were Absolutely. that were in on that. And uh, Brian, I feel like did definitely the the heavy lifting. I mean, yeah, building it was a lot of work, but as far as like he went to the city, and doing all, all the yeah. stuff for the city, raising money—that's that's harder. I think that's harder. So it's Brian, different, different Brian deser- deserves credit for that. And on top of that, Brian was out there, man. The second, the last, like, goodness, two or three weeks, maybe even longer of the build, he came out every single night after work, and, and he's got a family worked, just like yes, you, and worked with me until like. 10 30 11 o'clock yeah. every night like he put in a lot of hours there oh. there are like well over eight thousand screws in that skate light yeah in just the top layer of the skate light oh j- trust me and i mean brian put I was in there for a very minuscule part of it <laughs> brian put in a lot of those screws yes, he did. and drilled the holes and countersunk because every single hole in the skate light had to be drilled one that's one one thing yep countersunk two things and then the screw put in three things and he did a lot of that work. Yes, he did. So he, Brian definitely like deserves a whole lot of credit there. Well, I think the credit key thing is do. really but the cool. keys. Yeah. So the keys, I was like, Hey, this is a cool idea we can do like, and it comes from like, if you, uh, if, if you unlock a gap, yeah, like no a one's game, ever done right? the gap yeah, in a yeah. video game, you unlock it, you know, like you unlock it. So now, and a lot of times, like if somebody, something will be thought to be impossible, right? Uh, here's an example, bike flips. Bike flips were impossible. Like all these people were trying them, no one was pulling them. Um, and then a guy named Senate Grossick pulled one in in uh, in Europe in a contest. And then like a month or two later, I learned them. So I wasn't the first one to do it, but I you know I didn't know anything about them as far as like I don't want to try that. They look hard. Nobody's pulling them. <laughs> and then I tried them, and it just worked. I for whatever reason it worked for me. Yeah. I did it. So as soon as I did it, all of a sudden all these other people started doing it. So essentially. Um, Senate unlocked it, unlocked it. But as far as the mainstream goes, I, I had a piece of that also. Um, so when something's unlocked, all of a sudden other people can do it. So if you've got a line at the park, a hip or a gap that no one's jumped yet, when you jump it, you unlock it. And naturally if you know, locks take keys and you got to have a key to unlock a lock. So if you unlock something, you get a key. So I was like, it'd be cool to get a bunch of keys and literally and physical, physical keys, keys like skeleton keys so someone can have like a memento yeah. from the park to remember the park by and be like hey here's a key you unlocked this you get a key for unlocking that and i was looking around online just for some cool like little like party favor type things and i didn't know what i was going to find and i thought they were going to be ridiculous I, I don't i was just looking and i found this uh this website that had all these wedding favors so like like you put around the tables at weddings and yeah. they were keys skeleton keys that you could put on a keychain that were bottle openers 
and they look dope. And I was like, yo, that's it. That's it. That's what we're doing. And I found, and I had to like, cause they were like Chinese or whatever. Like there are a bunch of different people were selling the same exact thing. Sure. All over the place, just like the markets over there. <laughs> so they're all prices were all over the place. And I looked and looked and looked and looked until I finally found like the best, the best price. Like I, it, it was a lot of looking, but I found them and I got these things and I ordered like 200 of these things <laughs> and I was like, sweet bye. Yeah. But they came over and then we just started like the whole idea is yes, something new, a trick or a gap that hasn't ever been done before at the park. You unlock it, you get the key, and you think, oh, well, that's going to be over shortly because everyone's going to have done everything. But I don't want it to be like that to where, like, it's almost unobtainable for someone to get a key if they're not, like, a super pro. Because mm-hmm. sure. we've had some pros come through and literally just, like, one dude, Larry Edgar, came and got 13 keys in one oh, session. Like, wow. holy crap, dude. He yeah. just did everything. Just blah, 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 blah. And he's so good and amazing and, like, uh, Huck, Mike Hucker, Mike Clark came out and Hucker did got some key, got a key to uh, Pat Casey came out and got some keys. Like, so I don't want it to be like only these top dudes can get keys. So the, the whole thing that I tell people is like, Hey, if you do something new, a new line, a new gap or something hilarious or just flat out memorable, cause there's a bunch of funny keys too. There's a, there's a bunch of things for funny stuff that's happened. And Cause I want everyone to be able to get them to, to be a part, to feel a part of the group, you know, and the part of the thing. And we also have skate and BMX separate. So like if a skater does a gap that a biker has done and it's the first time they've done, they can get a key for that gap too. Cause it's, it's, it's different. That's cool. You know, same, yeah, same, that's, same that's equipment, really different. But so we got all these keys and I actually, I actually got a, uh, a Dremel tool. And I started Dremeling in like what they're for and stuff. Oh, okay. And, uh, they're not all like that. Cause I don't have time to do it. Like if somebody's from out of town, I'll just, you know, give them a key, something cool to, t- to put on their keychain or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but then we, we also are post, we post about it on, on the Dodson action sports complex, yep. uh, Instagram, and there's all kinds of stuff on there. And the other day we actually did all the build crew. We call ourselves the key, the key crew. Cause we're the, the build guys. There's yep. like, there's nine of us. And, um, we, so we were like, yo, we, we need to get key tattoos. So we actually just the other day, like actually yesterday, was it yesterday, it? Yeah, I think it was Monday, yesterday. It was Sunday. Yeah. It was yesterday. Yeah, Cause I rode with Kevin Saturday and you guys were going the next day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of the, one of the guys, uh, Aaron Ashcroft, he, he was a huge help. He was out there pretty much all his free time. He grew up in the neighborhood, lives just like pretty close still. And he came out there so much, helped so much. And he's actually, uh, is a contractor. He's a former uh, Marine. There's no such thing as a former Marine, right? Right. But yeah. he, he contracts as the same work. He was overseas. He was in Afghanistan for the last, you know, three months or whatever. So we waited for him to get back. He just got back last week. So we got, you know, together and had a barbecue and, and all of us, you know, Cody Hennings, our buddy, he's a tattoo artist that yep. was massively pivotal in the skate park build as well. Yeah. He drove in from Fort Worth so much and put so much time and effort into it. Um, and he brought all his gear down and, and we all got tattoos. So I've got, I got a key tattooed on, on my, my inside of my bicep right there. And I saw that. That was the really old ba- cool. The old baby skin spot. <laughs> that was really cool. Didn't um, even feel it. Did, yeah. I bet. I bet. So I got Stung one more piece of audio. I want to play real quick. Um, Zach Israel. Yeah. Owner of Ollie's who we talked about sponsor of this yep. podcast tonight, Ollie skate shop at Ollie skate shop on Instagram. Uh, Zach was huge in the park too. Yes, he was in the park build too. We yes, used his shop as like a ground zero. He yep. put a lot of man hours in and like a lot of tools and like he was, it was a massive, massive piece of the piece of the puzzle as well. Well, he's got something he wants you to talk about. Hey brother, tell us a story about teaching Brian Dotson how to do hangover toothpicks. 
So what's this story? Oh, man. So <laughs> what year was that? 2007? I want, it's 2007 or 2008. Brian Dodson, who's the park's named after. Yes, yeah. He's the the namesake of the skate park. So we were at Noble E. Young and Tyler, um, which was the closest skate park for East Texas, really. The, the best spot to ride in East Texas. And it really wasn't that great because they redid it <laughs> in this old concrete. And it's kind of, it is yeah, what yeah. it is. It is what it is. Anyway, there's a handrail there, and uh, <laughs> we were out there one night. It was it was kind of late, and I'm going to pull my phone out here. Okay. I'm going to show you a picture yeah, as I tell this story. Camera on you, so. Um, yeah, camera right here. Okay. It's on you so right I'll, now. I'll, we'll, we'll figure out how to get okay. it to where everybody can see this, this masterpiece of a photo when I find it. But so I forget. I think Brian was doing, like, toothpicks up the rail from the bank up the rail. Or hangovers up the rail. I forget exactly, but I was like, oh, hey, like, check this out. I'll show you how to hang over teeth down the rail. Check me out. I'm cool. Blah, whatever, yeah. you know. And I did it like once or twice, and I got a little too steep. And a hangover tooth, for anyone listening that doesn't know what a hangover tooth is, is a toothpick is on your front peg only. So if you do a stall or a grind on only your front peg with your back wheel or peg up there. above, up in the air, that's a toothpick stall or grind. So a hangover toothpick is a grind, a toothpick grind down a handrail or on a flat rail where your back end actually hangs over the rail as you go off the end. So you basically start it in a toothpick grind, and as you're sliding down the rail, your back end swings over the top, and you land, like, sideways past past the rail kind of. Okay. So, I'm with you now. I get it. Yeah, and you can do it either either which way. Sure. But it's just, like, grinding, and then the back end picks up and goes over, right? So that's a hangover tooth. I did this, and I got a little too steep on the, the toothpick, and the back end's hanging over, and sure enough, I just, over the bars, just jump off when I land my foot jams into my shoe and I'm like ooh well that hurt my toes really bad like my toes just jammed in my shoe and I was like ah it stings so much like this is like why isn't it stopping like, yeah. it just keeps going and uh so I tried to ride and not I do I a lot of times if I hurt something I'll do the I'm just not gonna look at it yeah, yeah. I'm gonna of ignore course, it I'm like, it doesn't keep, exist enjoy the session yeah I'll deal with it later so I try I tried I took a couple runs and I was just like, oh man, this is hurting. So I was like, all right, fine. So I took my shoe off and um, my sock is all bloody <laughs> on the oh. end of my toe, my big toe. And I was like, oh, great. Probably just ripped my toenail off or something, something sweet like that. And um, so then I pulled my sock off very carefully and found this. Oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> you might have to like. Yeah, hang on. We'll go back to this other camera angle. <laughs> So my toenail actually ripped the the oh, bottom of it. It ripped straight up and it bent in the middle of my big toenail. So like you got like the center of your nail. Yeah. It, it basically your toenails like got concaved. like caved. It's concave, right? So in order for the end of it to flip up, it has to flatten out. So yeah. it flattened out and pushed down. The end of it went boop like the visor, like a like a, a little road bike hat, you know, the little visor that sticks yeah, up, like flip your yeah, cap yeah. up. So my toenail sticking up right in the middle of my toenail like this. I'm sick to my stomach and the right now. rest of it is now back up normal, concave, right? So it's flipped, like got that crease in it. And I'm looking at it like, how the heck am I going to get this back down? And I tried to like push on it and it mm. didn't move. And I was like, stop already. That stings. Terrible like, what do question, I do? So, so I basically didn't didn't put my sock back on yeah, or my I shoe. Bet. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I'm done. Um and I, you know, got home. We lived in in Tyler at the time in a, some apartments. It was shortly after my wife and I got married. And um, <laughs> I was like, "Well, what am I going to do with this? I can't flop it back down, so I'm just going to get some nail clippers and cut it off." So I just literally just like clipped it, click, 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 across 
<laughs> the top of the nail. And when I got it, it was all jagged, right? So it's like I couldn't get a clean cut because it hurts. You know, so yeah, I was like, what this, I'm hurting this right now. So now I've got like my toenail and then right in the middle, I have these jagged, it like bends straight up still. And it's jagged though, all the way across. And I'm like, well, okay. So I showered, cleaned it, whatever, washed it as best I could. And I put just a bunch of Neosporin on it and a bandaid. And I was just like, let it soak in Neosporin and see what happens. The next morning, the Neosporin had made the toenail soft enough that it flopped back down oh, wow. the way it was supposed yeah. to. So it didn't, it didn't have to flatten out again. It just, it just popped. Still so I looked at, I took the bandaid off and I looked at it and now my toenail was normal again, but it was just half a toenail and it was jagged the whole way around. And I was like, great. Yeah. So I tried, I tried to trim it, but I couldn't really trim it without getting the, the clippers into my nail bed. And I was like, this is terrible. And it, you know, however long it took to grow out, it finally grew out and I clipped it straight again and, and we're looking beautiful now. Looking beautiful. Except the uh. other day, literally like Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday last week, I did something, smashed my toe into the ground, and my big toenail is about to fall off right now as we speak. It's it's all black and and it wiggles. <laughs> <laughs> the end of it, near near the end of my toe is still attached. Yeah. So I've got like, you know, a little sliver that's like attached. So but the whole bottom of it wiggles and moves and it's so gross it's dude. great it'll grow it'll fall off eventually. thanks a lot zach yeah thanks a lot yeah i've i've lo- but thing is like i mean here's another here's another one of my toenail coming off and Ooh. that's nice too yeah. uh <laughs> i've lost my big toenail on both feet probably three or four times so Jeez, dude. it's just you get used to it oh, okay do you get used to it i don't know <laughs> i don't know i don't know it stung a lot i'll tell you that much it stung a lot. that one was the worst one though i think because it was just like that weird like it's halfway off, but it's not off, and I can't do anything it's about disgusting. it. it was, yeah. I'm really grossed out right now, just so you know. Tight. All right. <laughs> I got uh, one more story I want you hey, to tell. Hey, Zach, next time you're talking to people, tell them about how you ate a moth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so last question I have for you. This is a story that you told at the park. Might have been the first night I met you, and it's the Jay Leno X Games story. <laughs> um, That's I, a great story. Yeah, I want to hear the story uh, to make everybody laugh as we go out. Okay, okay. I think this is fantastic. Yeah, this um, is good. So let me let me uh, backtrack just a little bit. Fine. Have so it. we had like the the whole Mega Ramp thing. Like I never wanted to ride Mega Ramp. Yeah, we didn't get I into talk that. about this before. Yeah, I want to hurt too many people's feelings with not hearing this story. But okay, the the contest was going on 06. I was riding Park. I'd been in Park the few years before, three years before, and. Uh, my TM for Etney's shoes at the time, I was riding for Etney's, John Povo was like, hey, I think you should ride Mega Ramp. You should do this. Like, it'd be awesome. And I was like, heck no. That's stupid. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to do that. Why would I do that? Yeah, no. And no. he was like, just go up there, ride it. And it was open because it was the first time we were doing it. So there was there was uh, Kevin Robinson, Chad Keggy, and Alan Cook were the only three guys that had experience on a ramp like that. So they were like the only guys in the contest. And X Games wanted more guys in the contest. So they, they were like, hey, Anyone come come ride it and practice. Yeah. If you like it, you're in. That was it. Like that was how you get into the event of Mega Ramp at, at BMX Mega Ramp Big Air at X Games uh, in 2006. Awesome. Was ride practice. Yeah. If you like it, you're in the contest. So it was like sweet. So out of all of us, me, Gutler, like Nyquist, a bunch, a bunch of dudes went and like tried it. I got up there because Povo was like, "Do it, do it, try it." And I was like, "No, I don't want to do it." Like what the heck? And I get all the way to the top. I look down the roll and I said, "Nope." And I went back down. And then he's like, just drop in one time. If you hate it, I won't ever bother you again. It's over. Fine. But if you, you might like it. I think you'll like it. So I, and I had my full face because he had you know, been prodding about this beforehand. And I get up there, I drop in and it was just like, this is the best thing ever. And they had to pry <laughs> me off the ramp after right, that. Right. Okay. So that rolls kind of into this story. Okay. I wanted to tell that story 
the the Cliff Notes version of it for for everyone listening, just so they actually got it because we yeah. talked about it earlier. Yeah. But that also kind of rolls into this because I love riding this ramp. I only get to ride it like once a year, twice a year if I'm lucky. Right. If there's two events or whatever. So I get like a week a year riding this dang thing. So anytime I get a chance to be on it, I'm like, I'm I want to be on it the whole time. Right. And um, we're inside Staples Center. This is 2008 or okay. nine. Okay. Might have been 09, actually. I think it was the year that Dodson and Zach and all them came out to LA for the X Games. And Brian Rebel ran on the park course. Bouse actually got his bike and dropped in and took a run on the course. You know, it was during the disabled guys' practice, but, you know, no big deal, bro. <laughs> hey, that, that fits. It was awesome. Mad respect, Brian. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Baller. <laughs> so I'm riding practice inside the Staples Center, which is already like a pretty, like, crazy thing just to be in the staple center a on this massive ramp that takes up like the whole inside of this place yeah it's just surreal the the setting is surreal and we're in there riding practice bmx practice is just like finishing it might have been i think we were doing kind of like combined practice at the time and i think they were kicking everybody off the ramp at this point it was it was right at the end of practice period for everybody i believe and um Jay Leno, you know how he would send out like comedians kind of to do like little yeah. interviews at events. So X Games going on in LA. So he's, you know, up in Burbank, whatever. He's got I'll send someone down to the X Games to do a piece on the X Games and talk to all these these idiots that, you know, whatever. And uh kind of that was the attitude of the interviews, which is right. fine. It's funny, you know, sure. that's what people want, something funny. So these guys, all this camera crew for Leno and this comedian, I forget his name. They came down to the base of the mega ramp, like at the flat bottom in front of the, the quarter pipe. And they were like, Hey, we're looking for someone to interview. We're doing this piece for Leno and we just need to interview some people. Um, I w- I'm looking for someone that will put a bike rider to put a bell and pink tassels on their handlebars and jump the mega ramp and then do an interview. And a couple of the guys were like, uh, no. And I was like, uh, yes. I was like, I'm your man. Yeah. So they're like, you'll do it. I was like, heck yeah, I'll do it. And they, but they were kicking us off the ramp. Right. So we were pretty much done. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll totally go and rebel run the mega ramp with this thing on. So I put them on and I went in, I went up, and, you know, they were at the bottom filming and, and, uh, I get to the elevator and they're like, Oh no, it's, it's closed. I was like, no, no, I'm just going up the top, whatever it is, whatever. I get to the top. I, I roll up the, and they're like, no, no, we're done. Like it's shut down. I was like, nah, I'm going. I just dropped in. Like, I was like, I basically just blew past everybody jumped it did I think I did a flip and then when I landed he had asked that I would ring the bell in the air so I hit the quarter pipe and when I was in the air I just did like it's a a goofy whatever with the tassels and I went ding 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 I rang the bell and then I came down went up the landing came back and like basically rolled straight up to an interview so that was like the intro to the interview yeah and he was taught he said made a joke about the the, the little girl's bike thing or whatever and uh God, if you done that in the competition that was like good. oh har 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 whatever you know yeah, girls bike the bell whatever and then he he goes uh you know like just tell me what goes through your mind when you're jumping through the air on this jump and he puts the, the microphone in, in my in my face and um I said, ah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's fun. It feels like kind of like you're flying. You know, it's it's just. I guess I'm just having fun. And he goes, I'll tell you what would be going through my mind if I was jumping that. And he goes, Please don't land on my balls. Please don't land on my balls. You know, he you know trying to make a joke out of right, that. You know, sure. and then he from that he goes, Have you ever landed on your balls? And he put the camera, I mean, the microphone back in my my face. And I was like, Yes. <laughs> and then he pulls it back and he goes. Yeah. 
Would you be willing to reenact that moment here and now for Jay Leno and the rest of America? Yeah. And he puts the, the microphone back in my face. And I thought about it for a second and I went, yes, I'll, I'll do that. And he was like, really? He was kind of surprised. Yeah, of he was expecting, no, get out of here, dude. Yeah, no way. I was like, yeah, sure. And he was like, really? Okay. So he pulls the mic back. I was like, I was like, he puts, he puts the mic in my, he goes, are you ready? He was like, yeah, I'm ready. And I just went, whack. And I hit him in the nuts. <laughs> and he literally is like, it. ah. And he hits the ground. He's like, oh, and I, I'm like, did you get that? You want me to show you again? And he was like, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. We're, we're done. Uh, and, like, and it was like, it wasn't like a little, it was, yeah, you, it was solid. On. It was solid. Like a thunk. Did it ever air? Oh, it did. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It definitely did. Um, uh, I, I didn't get to see it, unfortunately, but, um, my team manager for Levi's at the time, Kathy McGrath, she, I just get a text like the next morning or that night late that was like, Oh my gosh. I just watched you hit a guy in the balls on Jay Leno. And I was like, it made it. That's yes. Awesome. And it was funny because homies on the ground, like, Ugh, and the camera guys are like, Pfft. they're like shaking, trying not to like mess up the shot. Yeah. But they were cracking up. And then after all is said and done, he's like, okay, yeah, well, thanks, but no thanks. And, and he, he goes, Lee, and the camera guys, hey, man, you know how to make the cut, bro. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, Sweet. So yeah, uh, I got on, Len on Jay Leno smacking a guy in the nuts. You're the best Why dude. Not? I couldn't believe that I actually thought of it. I yeah. was like, "Whoa, yeah. light bulb! I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit this guy in the dick." <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. Yeah, you told me that the first night. Every I met you every it, now right? and then I do something smart. Yeah, that's awesome. Witty, I guess. Well, Morgan, we're I, at, uh, I didn't look stupid on live TV. He, he did. We're at two hours and twenty minutes. Tight. That was awesome. Yeah, man. Thanks for yeah, having I, me. I appreciate you. Fin we finally got this thing. To, I know it took it, for months, but, it took a little while, but we finally, um, finally made it happen. Both our schedules are pretty hectic and uh, a lot going on, and I, I hope. There's a lot of people, you know, a few people on here on uh, YouTube still, and nice. some people that check it out. For those a couple watching, people made it the whole way through. For those watching that didn't make the whole thing, I will post this on uh, on the Moto X Pod Show's podcast on iTunes. You can find it anywhere podcasts are found pretty much. Um, really great getting a chance to talk to you a little bit more and yeah, yeah. getting to know you a little better, man. For sure. Always a good time. Awesome. So, guys, check it out. Uh, follow him at Texas Wade on Instagram. Texas M. Wade. Texas M. Wade on Instagram. M. Wade, yeah. And of course, support our sponsors of Cherubies USA, Fly Racing, and go follow at Ollie's Skate Shop on Instagram. Appreciate Zach uh, supporting the Dodson Action Sports Park and the new skate shop in Longview, Texas. It's really come check rad. out the park. Yeah, so if you guys ever get out this way, come ride, hit us up. You know how to get a hold of me, uh, MotoXPodShow at gmail.com. Other than that, we're out of here. Thanks, Morgan. Thanks, man.